it, we are live. Hello to all my guys, gals, and non-binary pals of audio and also video podcast land. And welcome to another exciting episode of The Biconics, a wrestling podcast where we talk about the professional wrestlings and you know, have a nice, calm discussion about the topics. Fuck that. No, we don't. Why am I lying to you? This is like episode 13 or 14 at this point. So if you haven't been with us from the beginning... Welcome. We're happy to have some new folks, but watch the original ones. <laughs> you should really go check out our draft specials because we had a lot to say those two days. Oof. Monday Night Raw was a slog to get through. That's in the past. But I am Mikey. I am one of the five hosts here at the Biconics. I am also happen to be the head honcho in charge for Vibe Tribe Productions, where you can follow me all over the social medias at Pop Culture Geek or Vibe Tribe Production to follow us collectively, where you can stay up to date on all the projects we got going on. So make sure to give us a like, a follow and a subscribe. As always, I am joined by my amazing co-host. We're going to go around. They're going to introduce themselves. You're, I'm just going to start with JVL because I can. You're up first. Hi. Hi. I'm JVL. I'm John Van Luling. I am on this podcast. I've been here since a while ago and I talk about wrestling and I'm one of the older guys on the podcast. So I remember the good old days. You can find me on the socials at the JV Lexicon or Negative H13 or other places. And otherwise, just see me looking out into the void, wishing for death. D- Everyone needs a hobby. Demonetize. No, just kidding. <laughs> Hey, uh, we, we've been recording for over a minute. We're good. Mikey swore in the intro. That's very true. We're not, <laughs> we're not getting we monetized. We do it again. No, we're not starting over. And to give a little insight, JBL has been the day one before this was even a project. Because we tried to start this. We had three episodes in the can, and then we life took a hit. So yeah. <laughs> Here we are, what, a year later? A year and four more people later? That's what it took. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it took. It was just like we had to open our relationship up a lot bigger to be able to make this work. And it just so happened we picked the right people to share in our intimacy of wrestling. <laughs> it's even funnier because I'm reading the Google Doc that John sent, the professor sent, and I just the first one I happen to look down towards is wrestling finishers that are basically sex positions. That's coming soon, folks. Just you wait. But that's the first thing I read. Wait, what the fuck is this? Small package. Yeah, it has a whole different meaning, a numerous amount of ways. But speaking of the pool, yeah. Before we get crucifix pin. Oh my goodness. Before before someone comes before I get docked and someone comes crashing through my door. Speaking of professor, uh, professor, (laughs) you're up next. My name's John. I'm affectionately known as the professor. I'm on a handful of things here with the Vibe Tribe. I'm working on a few YouTube lists here, which you've just heard the topic of one of them. You can find me on the TikTok. I started making things there. I tell stories from time to time as well. And my last name has 11 letters. Good luck with that. I just wanted Scrabble with it earlier. It was great. It was <laughs> 157 points. They look great without well, beards, guys. Like, there's photos out there of us without beards. Good. You hear the beards on the podcast. They just, they're so aut- orally just amazing. And last, but, yeah, last but certainly not least, rounding out the third of the bearded trio, not including me, is Minnie. Ah, the beardos. I almost said his government name on this podcast. We're three of beardos. There we go. How's it going, guys? I'm Minnie Moss 218, also known as my government name is Evan. I really don't care what you guys address me as. Uh, you guys can catch me out here in the Vibe Tribe. 
I'm on. I run a Walk Among Gods. I'm in the academy. I do things here. But right now, we're on the best wrestling podcast. So you guys can check out on this side of the Mississippi or the other side of the Mississippi because we're on both sides of the country. That's right. This is the beat. I products. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just talk about that for a second. So, dead ass. It's America's ass. That is all I will say. <laughs> oh, I. This random conversation that happened out of nowhere. By the way, check out his this ass. What? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me where I'm wrong. <laughs> it's great checking in on. I was dealing with a lot of family shit over a course of five or six days in a row, and every now and then jumping on the group chat and catching bits like that. Oh, that makes me laugh. What are we talking about? <laughs> Random gif. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, there's LA Knight. Yep, that's America's ass right there. What are we talking about? Why am I saying this out loud? He's going to win money yeah. in the bank, guys. Watch. <laughs> I, this is a tangent. I agreed that, what was this, a few months ago we were talking, LA Knight needs to be pushed correctly and the Gatorade, Bray Wyatt, what the fuck is this match? Not working. <laughs> back a year. But the last six weeks or so you can see the momentum and sort of oh they're gonna do something i really hope they do something i agree with jvl like they they owe him something for not booking him an in la when they had the chance for wrestlemania on top there was a, a cartoon someone put out recently too they were showing like la Knight standing there and things bouncing off him like bad book max dupree all these other things they've done to him since he's gotten here he's basically gotten himself over to the point of even a week or two ago where they're piping in booze over the crowd popping for him and you can and they're visibly turning the mics down in the arena so you don't hear it on the live broadcast but you see the fan cast and everyone's yelling out yeah every time he kicks somebody they're yeah. all with him like saying his catchphrase it's th- this is the perfect way you set him up you do the heel turn with bianca and the street profits you've got it built like why aren't you doing it it's, i saw a thing where it's 80 percent of WWE fans want elevate to win money in the bank yeah that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling it right now. L- I'm looking at the men's competition. I'm like, LA Knight should win. And then I'm looking over at the women. I'm like, yeah, it's no contest. Becky's winning this one. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anybody else you would give that briefcase to that is currently. Yes. Now, honestly, in my opinion, I want LWO to hold the briefcases, but we know that WWE and Vincent Kennedy McMahon doesn't like brown people. So I'm just saying. What? They're doing horrible shit to the brown people. Like they're the (laughs) unless you're Ray Mysterio, you're unless you're Ray Mysterio, you're the only brown person that exists in WWE. What are they doing? This is again. Sorry, I would love to talk more about (laughs) Ellie Knight's ass as the cisgendered white male. But happy pride. Happy pride. (laughs) Why is Mustafa Ali getting screwed on? NXT and uh, on SmackDown. <laughs> I, I mean, on NXT, he's doing fairly better. He actually won on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah, won his match against Joe Gacy, which was actually a pretty decent match. We're eventually down the line. We're going to get Wesley versus Mustafa Ali for the North American Championship in NXT, which I'm all here for. Can't What's remember up, the draft. Was Mustafa Ali a free agent? Yep, he's a free. No, he is a free agent. I don't remember. He's a free agent. Dana Brooke is a free. No, she was on. She got that, drafted. The Raw. That does not answer your question of why he's being shouted on both SmackDown and NXT. Like, I don't remember where he was drafted. Uh, they're just dudes. Incredible. He's really talented, but it he's amazing. Going through... I thought Night of Champions was a fantastic showcase. It was great. And then 
he's going through like the early stage of what Ricochet had to do with a credible wrestler, but they just buried him and just used him to sell spots. He's become Dolph Ziggler 2.0, being sent back down, doing amazing things now in NXT, and he's not going to get a run out of it. It's insane. So, are we on topic? Or are we just saying things out loud to vent right now before we start? <laughs> We're talking about wrestling, but w- we started with Hold America's on. ass. Yeah, we started with America's ass. We went to how they're Mustafa Ali and uh, get another. We're just basically no more Omos. Summarizing the group text of the last ten days. Okay, let's talk about this. Yeah, go ahead. Why is Baron Corbin so cardboard on the microphone? He is. I don't understand. It is. Have you seen his cooking stuff on his Instagram? It's. I was like, where's this man's? I don't understand. I remember. Because I didn't watch wrestling, and we've talked about it on this podcast, but I always knew who he was. Great wrestler. Great imposing figure. Can't sell a car at a deal. Like, horrible. Can sell nothing. And like yeah, he, even, he, He's even Vince McMahon's for- perfect promo. Dude, it's cardboard. Yeah, that's why. The amount yeah. of stuff that I've noticed on that entire topic, I've noticed in the last couple of weeks on the Vince influenced ones and the, I'm going back to like people saying the Simon Miller classic, nobody talks that way. And you can tell, especially like in the stuff they ripped off and redid this week on raw is like the stuff that like a ton of chance and Kate and Carter were saying were like made no sense whatsoever. The syntax was off. They were trying to like verbally diarrhea out their mouth to get it out. There was no feeling to it. And that's why he's cardboard is he's having to memorize this crap as he's going out there versus just, speaking from the heart and he's he sounds like uh, the nxt promo for this week he sounded like he was trying to be too verbose too descriptive because no one understands why he's in fucking nxt bit of him walking through nxt and everyone being scared that baron corbin's here and showing him this quote-unquote respect they're all selling and acting the hell out of that <laughs> baron corbin looks like robocop looking all over the fucking place, not even trying. Okay. He knows he's got to hit this mark. Look here. Stop. Yep. He's going through. He's the actor that you just put on camera for the first time that has done a bunch of stage stuff and doesn't know what to do in front of a camera. Take a breath. Breathe. Like, no, do no, anything. No. If you breathe, you could sneeze, and then Vince McMahon will fire you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But... I'm going to be completely honest here. I think all three strows, I'm unapologetically an NXT fan. I'm always going to give it a little grace, but even I can admit when honestly NXT to me, it makes the most logical sense right now, which is saying a whole lot because that's your developmental brand. I don't know, man. I'm I've been enjoying NXT more because I'm like, okay, this is not the best thing, but it makes logical sense for the most part. I can follow along of what's going on. Main roster is like, you have Roman Reigns and then everyone else is like, just here. You don't have Roman Reigns. <laughs> That's He's true. Never He's never there. That's the only... Uh, he shows... Roman shows up, takes 15 minutes to walk to the ring, says four words and then leaves. Or gets kicked in the face. Or gets super kicked in the face, which actually makes people happy, which is great. We, I want to talk about this whole accidental super kick trope that's driving me nuts because it's a cop out. And it happened twice in a week, if I remember. Yeah, it happened twice in a. It happened twi- in the last two weeks. It happens once a week now. On every is no. I, oh no, he accidentally got him again. What? Well, Open is, your is, eyes. I don't. Isn't that the, the usual progression from everyone uses a super kick to someone's going to get super kicked accidentally because it's a move used by every wrestler under the face of earth right now <gasps> i'm gonna be honest i'm not sure what i don't like more right now that all the super kicks are all the canadian destroyers 
Because like, code red. I watched. Code I watched the code reds. Like, <laughs> I, the I watched. Red. I was watching. It was the AEW four, Fatal Four Way Championship match. Uh, I, I, I watched. Yeah, the pillars match, and I watched like a condensed. It was like the. It was a, on TikTok. It was a three minute TikTok of the matches sped up, and I just watched a sequence of fifteen Canadian destroyers in a row. But here's the thing, though. Like normally, I hate that kind of stuff, right? But to me, I was just like. Maybe it was because of the fact that Double or Nothing royally pissed me off of how bored I was up until we got to the... It's Once we got to... Surprisingly enough, once we got to the the TBS championship match, from there on, I was like, okay, this is pretty decent. Everything before that was fine, but I was just like, I'm under... And we all agree that that unsanctioned match was the worst match of the whole pay-per-view. Sabu did not need to... Sabu didn't even was there for two seconds and then he was gone from the like he came in he did a he fell sh- off the top row but he was done yeah I was just like I it was so bucks. tamed it was so tamed oh, for an unsanctioned so I looked it up Sabu was sixty something he, Sabu <laughs> yep. was up there and I what sucks and along with JVL being the old guy who remembers I there's a sense of like I wanted to see Sabu go in there and just skin someone alive <laughs> with a bar piece of barbed wire. This was the most tame, unsanctioned match ever. Sabu's here to get a check and throw a chair at somebody, which is fine. I'm glad you're getting paid. That's okay. But even the chair shots, man. Well, he was not going to do like his walk up off the chair and flip over the ropes thing. He wasn't going to. He can't do that. I'm just glad he's he's not doing that. But but to your point, Minnie, so you watched that on TikTok and sped up. Building in that building of the match, in that Four Pillars match, yes, it was a ton of Canadian destroyers at once, but they were all on max. So it was them nodding at the fact of, we understand that this is insane. We're going to go to the top of this of, you can hit one, then I can hit one, then I can hit one. And that made sense storyline-wise, having built to that point of the frustration of all three of them hitting moves on MJF and nothing going down. So to the point where they did three freaking Canadian destroyers, and also... Props to MJF for taking three Canadian oh, destroyers. It's definitely a lot. That move is a lot more like doing it over and over again is a lot more than taking 14 super kicks because it just is like, cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Three Canadian destroyers is a lot. I've definitely. Uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> shout out to the microphone work too during that match because I was laughing yeah. so hard. It's like MJF is like, Snatch, what the fuck? <laughs> I've never Honestly. popped so hard. <laughs> Mini, it had been like in other matches where like the super kicks done to like random people throughout the match. If you're in like a ladder match, someone gets super kicked, then someone else gets super kicked, and that's boring. If it was like Canadian Destroyer, one person, one person, and then somebody else did another Canadian Destroyer, and like shown as like a regular move, that's when I'm with you. Like it's just not good. But in the context of that specific match, it made sense of we're all gonna do this thing to this one freaking heel, beat his ass, and so it fits like narratively into it and so it's a little di- i feel it's a little different than the super correct crap which is it's a mid move it's a move that you, you get people that take it well that don't you get the accidental kicks and stuff like that it's literally become like a brick or a, a chop it's not i don't know yeah. i don't know the name that was such a good finisher back in the day it's many many might know the name of this because i can't quite remember the there's a name for a move where the person who it's being done to is doing all the work like a canadian destroyer so basically mgf is the one Doing all the work, it's just you got to get over and jump, right? So MGF yeah. doing that so many times is a Herculean task. It could be like a subset flip. That's no, there's a term. There's a, there, there's a term, term in in, in three this type of move where it's done in the inverse. Where yes, I'm doing this to you, but you're the one that is actually going to lift up and do the thing. And I have bad podcasting. I'm not going to look it up right now. And I'm sure there's someone out there who's screaming it in. I have no idea. Yeah. 
to the people that constantly message us and tell us how great we're doing, let us know in the comments <laughs> what, what exactly is happening. Okay. If you haven't messaged us, please message us and tell us how good we're doing. We need the reinsurance, guys. Shout, yeah, we we do. Shout out to Amador, who had a whole hour conversation with B and JVL the other day, just on the pure chaos that this podcast is. <laughs> we had some great feedback on the podcast. People who I know listen to it, actually. Your hot friends. <laughs> My hot friends, who you might see on this podcast someday. Hey, hot hey. friends, if you're listening, there's a few hot friends on there. We need the clicks. <laughs> we need the clicks, honestly. Okay. Give us our thumbnails for YouTube. It's, there is a psychological study where if you have hot people on it's more clicks, but we, we don't got time to go into that. Speaking of. OK, so it, I have a close little JBL. Where, are we? where did we go? I'm going to tell you what we're going to tell. Uh, we're, I'm going to tell you we're where Italian? we're going to go. No, we're not Italian, but OK, I've been sitting on this for the last couple of days. I thought about well, it. Flair? Yeah, let's just go there. So. This past so because we were talk off camera, we were talking about what happened on SmackDown because not a lot happened. I have questions. As, I have questions because I'm trying to outside of the Bloodline storyline. I don't understand what the point of having the yes boys be a part of it, but it is what it is because they're shitty heels. But Oscar gets the new designed women's title. It is officially called the W.E. Women heavyweight? No, not women's heavyweight. It's just the WWE Women's Undisputed Women's Championship. Listen, WWE hasn't made a great belt in a very long time, so at this point, I don't really critique on the aesthetics of it. It is what it is. It's nice to see. Yeah. It's Did nice. You hear, I forgot the announcer's name. The British announcer who's on SmackDown. Wade Barrett. Who's actually, yeah, who's really funny. Oh, look Did at it. it. It's. It's beautiful. You can tell he's. Months. I don't yeah. believe. It. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, look at that beautiful belt. That looks Honestly, exactly like the belt. Wade Barrett is just bro. The British wrestling scene has some beautiful titles. Go take a look at Progress Wrestling's titles. They're pretty good. Uh, but, yeah. but the point being, so Adam Pierce does this whole ceremony and good on Oscar for getting the new design title. Like homegirl deserves it, and then not even a second. But while it's being put on her, Charlotte Flair's music hits. And basically, the segments, oh, Asuka versus Charlotte. And I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> we can't think of anything else. Let's do this again, because Asuka's lost to Charlotte three times in a row. And I want to say, I'm actually going to defend Charlotte on this one. I don't blame her. I blame the book. No, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Here comes JPL. He's pulled the ear out. You better, what you say better be good. See, I blame the bookers. In the sense that they're booking this, but also they are giving into her pedigree because of the name for it. They can't stand their ground and be like, no. So I let's just talk because I Can they I ask you a question? No, I'm Can just I kidding. Go ahead. Outside of the Charlotte Oscar thing, we now have two undisputed titles. But there are other titles on the same level as them in the company. How are they undisputed? You're talking to the same company that had the SmackDown Women's Champion on Raw and the Raw Women's Championship on SmackDown for that, how many you know, weeks? That just, says, that just says brands, and that's the thing. I understand they're brand-specific, but you can steal them back and forth. You're not in the name of the title on the placard saying, this is the undisputed title. You cannot dispute that this is the title, except that we have a dispute because there's another title of the same lineage and length and height of this darn thing. We agree that Rhea is going to get the world, the women's heavyweight championship. Um, 
Eventually, there's going to be a title that says, this is literally the title. No, literally, this one is the title. (laughs) No, literally, that one. And they're all belts that say literally the title. It's four different belts that just goes all the way down the person, basically, to be able to literally (laughs) zoom. And Roman's going to hold it for 945,000 days. And he's going to he's gonna do the Rambo thing. He's going to be hella old, and I'm going to... I think... So, th- and we might have talked about this on this podcast, similar to boxing. There came a point in the 90s where the titles didn't mean anything because there's 50,000 titles for halfweight classes and cruiserweight classes and mixed up stuff like that. And they was used to make fun of professional wrestling. The titles don't mean anything. Look how many titles they have. Look at your sport. They're garbage. It's hard for me to watch UFC because the titles don't mean anything. Because like Roman Reigns, they defend it once every two years, and we make you Conor McGregor's a millionaire and fought once. I, like it's bullshit. That's why PFL is dope, but that's a whole different conversation. I like a nice, I, whole I different conversation. Respect uh, PFL and one championship and all those other promotions. It, they want to put belts on each brand, but yeah, I don't think they can think of any other word other than undisputed. I think it's like. Buy a thesaurus. They didn't use the word. It's Vince McMahon who got mad at a burrito. Do you think this is really going to, like, he's going to buy a thesaurus? Unified. It's not unified. This is the WWE Unified. The one on Roman is unified because it's the Universal and the WWE Championship unified. It's the unified heavyweight title. And then you have the world heavyweight title over on the other side. Women's ones are a little harder. One fourth of the title. We're about to unify another. We're about to unify another set of titles because we're getting Ronda and Shayna versus. Oh my God! The Ronda Shayna promise. (laughs) Which one do you want to talk about? Where they literally called the tiny girls Katana and Caden little like Munchkins from Munchkin Land, or. Yeah. The promos might have sucked, but that match was actually really good. Those two are... I ate crow because literally in the text thread, I was just like, oh, cool. Katana and Kaden are going up against Shayna and Ronda. They're going to get squashed. They're so, they so small <laughs> compared to those. I was watching them like, the size difference is insane. I remember telling Minnie this when he called me on Friday when we talked about this briefly. I was just like, those are really like that is the actual women. Ta- that is an actual women's tag team you have in WWE. Like this is their bread and butter. They have been mastering their craft for the last four years, and they actually work as a team and do tag team stuff. But they also looked like they wanted to be there. Exactly. They intensity. It's about damn time. <laughs> I love Shane those Basin women. On the mic is similar to Baron Corbin on the mic. It's a sense of I don't believe or care anything you say. And she's and 150,000 times better than Ronda. Look at, yes. Well, then Ronda talks. Look yes. at. Because Ronda sells tickets. Still, though? It's money. That's legitimately what it is. This is all I want from this unification match, because we know that Ronda and Shayna are going to win. I just don't want it to be a squash, because Isla Dawn and Alba Fire, I'm just like, I love those two women individually. Yeah. But all the match where they won the NXT, we watched that match live where they won the NXT belts. They're really good at what they do. That women's match, yeah, that women's tag team match was pretty decent. It just sucked where it was placed on the card because this came right after the unsanctioned match between Grayson Wola and Johnny Gargano, too. And that preceded the also before that match was the fatal five way for the North American title. I'm like, you can't follow that with those two matches. One of the best matches of both days of NXT and WrestleMania. God, that fatal five way. One thing I did notice, though, like you're saying Shane is terrible on the mic in that respect and she can't do much like that. I've watched her on the other like 
online stuff she's done in Twitch and like up up down, it's not any different. That's actually how she talks and how she relates. So that's why to me, I'm like, there's a hard way to if she can't get past her own being herself. Sure. How is she going to get better? Not to totally dissect someone who I don't want to say she's struggling, but not to sound like I'm punching down because that's not what I want this to sound like. She's gonna break her. You have to put these. I'm going to say this, and Vince would never do this. And you guys, know you have to put these wrestlers in a position to succeed, not embarrass them so they grow. And anyone who's a teacher, Mikey, you'll understand this too. You don't. I'm not going to. I don't. Days of I'm going to frustrate you until you quit or grow not going to work in particular you're doing it live and everything's at risk so you're just going to burn these you're going to burn out your audience base we just mic don't learn anything within the last year and a half we just saw that happen to somebody who left and is currently your aew women's champion that's what happened with tony storm because she and charlotte were in the stupid feud and every single week Tony was getting embarrassed like getting pies thrown at her being called short it's i was still mad and in the nine back in the nineties, maybe in the eighties, they would just not have you talk. Oh no, they still would. They, if oh, Vince okay. didn't like you, like Marty Janetti, they'd sure. force him to talk or be anything like that. If he, if Vince saw something in you, he'd get you a manager, which they don't do now. That's what I'm saying. There would be a manager, or a mouthpiece, or like Brock's great for the first thirty seconds. After thirty seconds, Brock's going to do something fucking weird. That, that's why he just grabs the mic and says, say something stupid, Paul. Gives the mic to Paul Heyman. I, go, I see what we're saying. And I'm a little out of pocket. I apologize. But I see it as someone I don't want to. I feel like they could do so much more if they were coached and directed in a way as opposed to just, here, read this out loud. Good luck. Yeah, they're going to be cardboard every time. What are you doing? It would also help, too, if you actually utilized all your talent outside of one major story. But it seems that WWE would actually need writers for that to happen, apparently. It's not that hard. And that's why I'm enjoying NXT, because I still have lots of questions. I still have lots of critiques. And I thought NXT was going to be doomed for a little bit because literally the draft, as I put it in heavy air quotes, it really took a lot of big players that I could like the important people that have been making NXT happen the last year and a half or so. Granted, I have questions. I don't know what's going on with Braun Breaker and Seth. Like, when we're getting that? Are we getting it on Monday? Is it going to be at the Great American Bash? Like, he's going to show up on Raw on Monday and attack Seth. I think that's the next step in it. So we can officially say he's probably going to main roster now, which is fine. After losing to Carmelo at Stand and Deliver and then losing cleanly again at battleground i'm like i think braun's ready to move because honestly i there's nothing else for him to do right now in nxt but but yeah it's like they don't have any other ideas to do charlotte comes back immediately goes for the title i'm slowly enjoying because i like bianca slowly turning back into her heel persona that she had in nxt and as long as that's what the direction they're going for because it works because the shit talker Bianca Belair, like I'm the baddest, I'm the best. And I was like, girl, uh-uh. Like it gave me those iconic <laughs> moments. I was like, having her be heel would be great. And then honestly, turn Montez and Angelo Dawkins heel too. Like, let the they don't have to be so? completely I think so. Not even like super heelish, because you can just have them be the archetype of the shit talking confident yeah. heels. Cause that will also work. I agree. That I agree. I feel like 
they've held back some because they're fun as hell. I love watching them. They're probably my favorite top, like up there, top two, three tag team to watch. Period. Since I've started rewatching in the last year, they're, every time it's just electric. But I feel like they've been tamped down. Like they've been, hey, keep it neutral. Go crazy in your intros, but don't get too big otherwise because we don't want it. Sure. And I, my, my evidence of this is one of the massive clusterfuck promos from SmackDown was when there were, I don't know, 15 guys in a locker room. <laughs> Sammy and Kevin are just trying to talk to you. Kevin Owens is my hero. He's, just, he's like having a pa- He's having a whole ass panic attack. It's great. It was crazy. Oh, I was no, like, I'm just fuck? being tired of old school wrestling shit and just want oh, the that's funniest thing ever. What I was going to say makes this funny. Breaking the fourth wall. I was just trying to talk to my friend and all of you showed up. Where were you? Okay, so uh, let's talk about that. So realistically, who actually, who is actually going to get this chance? Because I'm looking at these tag teams in this gauntlet. I'm like, I was just like, Vincent, Vince does not like brown people because I want LWO to get this shot, but they're not. I see the Street Profits. I'm like, that's a safe bet. I'm like, I also see the Yes Boys getting this opportunity. <laughs> but then everybody else involved, I'm like, not a fat chance. <laughs> I was. Who are the, the 1980s heels? Pretty, pretty vacant? Pretty deadly? Pretty that's deadly pretty or the Yes Boys. Again, gay or European, professor. <laughs> I have something that's actually funny. So I was at Buffalo Wild Wings with my, with my site supervisor for where Holy I work. Shit, that's hysterical. Thanks, JVL. He's never seen wrestling before. This dude is like, from he's like, really, he's he's ghetto. I'm gonna put it that way. Never seen wrestling before. And we're sitting there, and he turns, and he sees on the one of the screen was playing professional wrestling. It was a six man tag with Pretty Deadly and Austin Theory. And he goes, "Who the fuck are those guys?" I'm like, "Oh, that's a tag team called Pretty Deadly." And he goes, "Why are they wearing women's clothes?" I'm like, "Oh, this is their thing, dude." He goes. You watch this shit? Yeah. And he just gave me the most like weird look and then go back and just like to drinking his beer. I was like, well, that was a I kid you not, like started. us in the professional wrestling, those of us that watch it, like to us this shit, this crazy ass shit is normal. It was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. You have pretty deadly and basically like hat not even crop tops, it's like barely a crop top. <laughs> It's a dicky. It's like sleeves. I was just like, we had the pretty deadly dress in dickies. We had a gay wedding between Chuck and, <laughs> and Daddy Ass himself. <laughs> those two are hey, those are the heels I grew up watching and hating. Where those yeah. were pretty look. It's an echo of the Hollywood blondes. Like it's perfect. The body Donnas. Yeah, but oh, so good. You know what, Professor? That is an excellent segue because that's what the remainder of this episode's gonna be. Hey, we're, let's do it. We're just gonna talk about all the things that we love in professional wrestling. Prior to the recording of this episode, I had all my co-hosts do a little bit of homework or at least wing it for the next two hours or so. And we, as a crew, Wanted to dedicate most of this episode for you, the listening audience, to get to know us a little bit better. You got to know us a little bit when we reviewed the end of 2022 in the year of professional wrestling, where we talked about our likes, our dislikes, who our favorite male and female wrestlers were of the year. But now we're going to extend that category a little bit. So we're all going to have a discussion and we're going to go down of who our favorite all time favorite top top five male, top five female, favorite matches, favorite gimmicks, favorite archetypes, whatever the wherever the conversation decides to lead us. Oh, damn it. <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Nothing. I'm just filling out the rest of it as we're going along here. I'm doing my homework later. <laughs> oh, procrastination. IRL teacher here. Hi. So the procrastination is real. <laughs> the hard thing, too, is if you could talk to yourself for three days about one of these, right? I may have. <laughs> we know you did. <laughs> From 1995 until 2000, it was this. But from 2001 to 2000, they had a great... So it's nailed down specifically. It's tricky. I asked Mikey specifically in the first couple of categories, I'm like, did you mean current or did you mean all time? And I was like, a little bit of both. Longer. (laughs) I was like, a little bit of both, but whatever you want, there is no right or wrong answer here unless you say something out of pocket, then you're wrong. But If anyone says Hulk Hogan, they're off the podcast. Yeah, you're off the podcast. (laughs) Good. Uh, Terry Balea. God. <laughs> Good oh, no! Joff, I am sorry. Mini, Joff is going to have to edit around that part. Don't make the job harder for the man. <laughs> Don't like, Why would you edit that? That was hilarious. Like, you say, hold on, you're off the pockets. God damn it, leaves. Here's the thing. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Joff, I am so sorry because it takes him a while to get everyone masked individually into the frames. There's got to be a way to program a Discord third party, whatever, that just has a trigger word. And if you say the trigger word, you get kicked off the server. Be like, leave. Hulk Gogan. Anyways, so now that we got, I mean, we're still going to do shits and giggles as the rest of this episode goes on. But I'll go. I guess I'll go first just to get it out of the way. So. This one was a little bit tough because most of my favorite wrestlers, male and female, tend to come from the last five, seven years or so. Like when I really started getting into wrestling, because I, of course, I'm familiar with the all time greats of the different eras. But this one was tough. So I'm going to start this off with my number five. This one's actually going to be a weird number five. So this one is good. I'm the only one that probably knows this individual because I try to keep up with independent wrestling. I'm Mikey. I watch independent wrestling. I watch NXT and I watch Impact and all these other fun things. Did you pick five instead of one? (laughs) Did no one read the prompt? They said pick your top five. But, you know, if you only pick pick your favorite. (laughs) John, read the line above that where it says, pick the five of every category. Oh, and then you see, you... I did the bad student thing. I went right to the question, not the... <laughs> oh. All right. Do we want to do five male, then all of us do the five male, then go to five female, not all let's at once? I'll do five males, and then let's all do five female. And, and then... then it's, a long, it's a long weekend, JBL. It is a long weekend. <laughs> God damn it. <sighs> Anyways, my number five... Up. I don't know if I can do this all. <laughs> My number my, my number five wrestler comes from Progress Wrestling. I'm a sucker for like weird ass character choices, and I'm going to give it to Cara Noir as one of my personal favorites. If you don't know who that is, look it up on the Googles. Wrestling style is very fun. Fuck it. He's literally the British version of Stardust, but like he only dresses up in this character for the big pay-per-view matches. Otherwise, he just dresses normally. He has full on makeup and he comes out like Dalton Castle with the wings <laughs> He is known as the Black Swan. It is incredibly weird, but he is my number five. So there, I got through that despite all the shenanigans. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> all right, we're going to popcorn this so I get to pick. So JVL, you're up. <laughs> number five. So for me on these one, I didn't know if I was doing current or not, but I'm doing these based on like sentimentality versus maybe even, cause we all know the greats of all the things we've gone through that, like that type of thing. And they may pop up in here. Who knows? 
but my number five wrestler of all time, male-wise, in WWE specifically, right? This is WWE specifically? Sure. We're talking about <laughs> independent there, but I remember the categories on the sheet was WWE and non-WWE, so I'm just confirming which category we're in. You know what? I can rectify that, but the rest of my picks will be WWE, so let's just start there. <laughs> I'm just trying to like figure because I did the homework. I'm just go, gonna- <laughs> go. Number five, WWE, go. <laughs> Repo Man. <laughs> No, honestly, for me, for me, I can't be Simon Miller. I can't be Repo Man. I'm going back. To, this one is going back to my childhood, but like growing up in the late '80s, like early '90s, the first kind of little bit that went around there. And it's not to do with skill or anything else, or something else to do with it. But I always loved watching the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Promo wise, even in the ring, he was really good. I really enjoyed that as a concept. Now, him as a person, now total piece of shit. Like, we already know that's going on. Like, full piece of shit. But sure. that character worked so well, and it was the one I had to hate him. He was against all the good guys when I was growing up. He was amazing. He was so good at pulling you in and keeping you involved, and he was not given any credit for it. So that is my number five pick. WWE. <laughs> yes, WWE. Alrighty. Professor, you're up next. Number five. Number five. I'm glad I had too many picks then. I will also go all the way back to my childhood. I actually, since I'm old now, I can't remember a lot of this wrestler's matches. I remember this wrestler's gimmick and attitude and how much fun they were having. I actually had their toy when I was a kid in the 80s, and I remember playing with it and just loving this guy. It was Coco Beware. If you don't know Coco Beware, Coco Beware was a massive, gorgeous black man who walked out there with a giant parrot and beautiful white suits and colored hair and whatever, and just had these awesome promos and attitude. He's a great worker in the ring. He's in the hall, got in the Hall of Fame, I want to say, mm, I don't even know if I have anyone else, a little while ago. But not a bad, I haven't heard a bad thing said about him as a worker and performer. Um, parrot was a dick. The parrot was an asshole? Yeah. The parrot was on. Parrots are probably assholes. But always super fun. And I always remember tuning in and watching on early Saturday mornings when that's when wrestling was a thing. And watching... Coco Beware. And I remember getting that toy and being like, I love this guy. This is great. So if we're going top five, for me, I'm starting there. And last but certainly not least, number five, Mini, who you got for WWE male? Number five, I have the Shockmaster. I'm just messing around. No. I still might get some shit for this, but my number five is Chris Benoit when he was wrestling. Uh, it's because I grew up watching a lot of the f- before he went a little nuts, but that's a whole different story. Just a little as an understatement, but I did watch a lot of him. He was one of my favorites watching him win the title, going out there and hugging, hugging Eddie, everything else that he did as an in ring performer, one of the best of his era. As a person, we all know what happened there. We're not going to talk about it, but as a pure in ring performer, he's my top five. I feel like the Paul Heyman sentiment, which you might have seen, where there's someone in the crowd that's asking him about Chris Benoit, if you've heard that. And that kind of speaks for a lot of fans. We're incredible worker. Incredible performer. But fuck him. But fuck you. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mikey. Number four in WWE. <laughs> I know. independent WWE. Yes. Okay, so let's backtrack. I'm not going to spend too much. My number five for WWE, I... Actually, going to piggyback off Mini. Chris Benoit was also my number five in WWE. So I I don't need to say it. My number four is actually 
so here's the thing. So there was a period of my time where I started watch when I was in high school and I was watching wrestling. This was in the like 2009, 2010, 2011. And then once I went to college after that, I stopped and didn't get back into it until 2015, 16 or whatever. I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding this individual, but I really enjoyed a lot of their work. My number four for WWE and just specifically his time in WWE, I have to go with Punk. CM Punk is my number four. I think for me personally, I think what won me over was the Straight Edge Society bit was great. And it, but I think what set it over was the pipe bomb and then his feud with John Cena that kind of solidified it as, oh, damn, this is amazing shit. This is professional wrestling storytelling and nonsense that I love so much. My number four for WWE is going to be CM Punk. <laughs> Cornelius Magnifico Punk. His first name right, is Cornelius? That's <laughs> it is. It is. It's... <laughs> It used to be Yukon Cornelius, but that was a little too much. I really enjoyed his stupid character on Stephen Amell's show Heels as the Possum Man. It's so fucking... Oh, the possum Man was so good. So, and he's coming back right. for season two, so it's going to be fun. There we go. He doesn't have to be on AEW all the time on Collision. Let's go. My, my number four. My number four. This is go jump into the Attitude Era. There's the usuals up there. Austin, Rock, Undertaker, all that stuff. Taker means a lot to me in a lot of ways. But I feel like on this list, like he's a favorite of mine, but he wouldn't make the list of like ones I could that really spoke to me as being that part. It was just fun to watch. My attitude era guy that I have to put here at number four, not Benoit and other things, it was Edge. Early Edge. Cause I watched him from when he started as like the silent, like autistic character that basically came through the crowd all the way through till brood edge to he went to goofy wrestling with Christian. He ran the gamut through my entire time of watching this and then losing him after being at the Dick Radar superstar for so long and like hating that. And then his comeback at the rumble and like, it just, it, there is so much emotion tied to him because he's one of the few that I've watched his entire career from start to finish. I've been aware of it and just seeing the growth, the change, hearing about him as a human being, as much as he was an asshole in real life with the whole stuff with Lita. And then like how he's grown since he's actually become an adult and figured his own life out and all that stuff. It's just, it's crazy to me that this man has given so much to the business and also to being an ambassador in so many ways to the sport. So Edge is my number four. It's crazy as much as we don't like him. His interview on the Logan Paul's podcast, really good. So good. I'm upset that I actually like some of the wrestlers that have gone on and I'm watching these interviews. I'm like, damn it, Logan Paul, I hate you, but this is a fun interview. All right, Professor, who you got for your number four? So my number four, I had to differentiate between a WE era and a WCW era. I'm going to go, for me, because this is when I was watching a lot of wrestling, WCW Razor Ramon was cool as hell. And even as the heel and bad guy, which I never, I don't, of course I knew good guys and bad guys and whatever then, but I just never saw Razor Ramon as the heel. I always sided with Razor Ramon. <laughs> I was always like, yeah, I agree with you. I'm all in. Yeah, you're just going to put good guys through tables, and I'm going to be okay with that. And I love that guy. The attitude, the jokes, the being on the mic, I fell in love with that guy then, and I was very sad to, when he passed away, and I knew health issues and whatnot. And I think... And this is, you could talk about this, before the NWO had 50 members, and it seemed like everyone had a different week of being in the NWO, when it was Diesel, Riz Ramon, and Hollywood almost said it, then I, that's when I think that 
action besides peak and was the most fun. On top of also having the most protected finisher in all professional wrestling, I think second. No, it's even more protected than the one winged angel. Nobody ever kicked out of the razor's edge or the leg drop. Yeah, well, we don't talk. I, about it was it. just one of the best. And then, no, <laughs> to hear the real Scott Hall talk, and then to hear Razor Ramon and go, "What?" <laughs> the character dedication and the talents of that guy, and genuinely taking care of folks, even though it looked like he was throwing them around like rag dolls and whatnot. He was one of the safest workers ever. Yeah, that's what I've, everything I've heard has been like. Yeah, no one ever got hurt. Always took care of folks. Took the shots. One, two, three kid. Yeah. Yes, it be- that's still one of the greatest matches. Pulled him out of the crowd and did this thing. Ah, so 69 him. Incredible. So that's my number four. Speaking of wrestlers who just recently passed away, RIP to the Iron Sheik. We didn't yeah, mention that earlier. Iron Sheik's a big deal. Rest in peace, Iron Sheik. The greatest. <laughs> Professor the fuck. Whatever. Yeah, that's, yeah, he died. That's unfortunate. Uh, He's such a good heel, I can't say rest in peace, Iron Sheik. <laughs> the greatest Hogan hater of all time. And we stand him for that. (laughs) We salute you. My number four is one of the greatest of all time, Eddie Guerrero. I didn't watch him for too long. I was really young when he was still around, but going back and rewatching a lot of his stuff. Of course, everybody's imitating it now. You know, smack the chair of the mat, throw the chair to the other dude, knock down. That was incredible when he did that. Of course, the frog splash, everybody's trying to do that. A lot of modern wrestlers are basing their entire careers off what Eddie did. His tag team with Chavo back in the day was awesome. His match against Brock, where he won the title finally, incredible. Stuff it's, with China. Yeah. 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 Just him battling through the adversities he did and coming back and still being able to perform at a level he did, changing his entire story around. But just an incredible person, an incredible wrestler, one of the greatest of all time. My number four is Eddie Guerrero. This top five thing sucks because there's so many other wrestlers I want to put on here, but I'm like, like with JBL, like who yeah. who spoke to me more than like I talked about earlier how like I love John Cena because I watched him debut. He's not even in my top five, which is crazy <laughs> for me. How did you watch him? I watched <laughs> that episode of SmackDown. I was you watched four, SmackDown, but three. how did you see him? How did you see him? No, that was before you can't see him. That's when he was still visible. He was the prototype at that point. Yeah, yeah, he was still the prototype doing the protobot. Yeah, that was pre. You can't see me. I love it. All righty. So WWE number three for male superstar. Okay, this I want to put it just not. You know what? Fuck it. My this is going to be with a caveat. My number three is going to be Jeff Hardy, but I'm specifically talking about Jeff Hardy between late 2007 all the way through 2008, because when we know that Jeff Hardy has had his issues, still has his issues But to me, that era of Jeff Hardy was the one that spoke to me the most because I remember going all the way back doing my history of professional wrestling. That was probably my favorite version of Jeff Hardy because and this is a historic to me, this is one of the pivotal wrestling moments of when you talk about wrestling history. For me personally, this one is like a key point of this is how you build a story. This is what it was. And that's when Jeff won that WWE title at Armageddon in that triple threat between him, Triple H and Edge. Like that match alone was good, but leading all the way up to it, the story bits of it is what made me like Jeff Hardy is like he constantly kept getting screwed. Triple H was being Triple H. Edge was being a dick (laughs) as usual. And then Vladimir Kozlov got involved in somehow way, shape or form. It was, but the point is that 
the goalposts kept getting moved for Jeff and leading into that pay-per-view time and time after again, he kept proving that he was or he was getting screwed for different reasons. And then him finally winning that big one solidified it to me as damn, this J Jeff Hardy is amazing. Fast forward, he had to vacate it because of more issues a couple months later. But that's beside the point. Leading up into that Armageddon match made me realize I was like, Jeff Hardy is a badass. And, you know, that that's my reasoning of why he's my number three. Just the storytelling leading into that match and just him showing the audience and getting them back on his good side. Because when he came back from all his issues, when he got in trouble, the fans were not feeling him. And so he had oh. to earned his their trust back and leading into Armageddon, he slowly got the fans to get back on his side and they were rooting for him in that triple threat. And just to hear the aurorous um, amount of applause when he won that match was just that was so beautiful. He in that moment, he redeemed himself and was able to it was a good redemption story. So Jeff Hardy, that era, my number three. All right, my number three, going WWE here. We're going to, it's piggybacking off something Mikey already said here. It's Cheesemonger Punk. Same thing. That run in, in the 2000s got me back into wrestling after a long pullout. Basically, I lost interest, wouldn't watch for a while, and his matches, his stuff in the ECW brand, and then on from there, I could not help but watch. Him coming back at AEW recently in the last couple of years, yes, for all the problems that it's caused, I was, like Ollie Davis, like, emotionally attached to him coming back to wrestling like he embodies what wrestling was getting me back on board with it so chester montgomery punk thank you for what you've done chester or cornelius i'm going yes. to every name for cheese is a good one too cheese is a good one. Oh my goodness five top five lists are so hard because i there's people that should be on this list but aren't but again it's based on us individually with that qualifier, my number three is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Because I, I watched wrestling what? off and on. <laughs> what? I watched wrestling off and on as a kid, and then I got into high school, and everyone watching wrestling when I was in high school. And Stone Cold, like, I had to watch Stone Cold every time. Again, similar to they were when I was really watching, and just when Stone Cold started, Stone Cold was this heel feuding with Bret Hart and everyone else. I was like, no, I don't see you as the bad guy. You represent everything that I think is right in the world because I was a teenager and hated authority. So all those matches that I had remembered seeing, the promos were always so good. He threw the rock off a bridge. He killed yep. a man on TV. Yep. Fighting fighting Vince McMahon, hitting with a bedpan in the middle of a hospital room. His fight with Booker T in the grocery store is like one of the most <laughs> iconic <laughs> fights in right. wrestling history. What's so great is when you have a character that is so specific and real in a way, you can put Stone Cold in any absurd situation and it works. You go, oh yeah, I totally believe that's exactly what would happen. In Stone Cold, Steve Austin has just aged gracefully. He's such a statesman of the sport and the history and of that time and the interviews and podcasts and all the work that he's doing. I'm glad he's getting paid now. I'm glad yeah. that he doesn't have to go back in the ring with three bad knees and still fight. He um, found one he brought with him that's also yeah. bad. It's just no, hate. The crazy <laughs> thing is he still puts up good matches. Like One of my top matches of last year was his match against KO at Mania. Sure. Like, still... Awesome. Get, there's and is willing to put his body on the line, willing to feud with anybody, everybody. 
So and for the listener really, at home, also the professor is cosplaying as him right now. It's it's. A this whole, is why I had to shave my head because this is actually. I'm funny you bring that up. When I he was making the decision to finally shave my head, it was like I have to do it. There was that tiny bit of me that was like, "Are you sure? Don't you want to look like a balding clown for the rest of your life?" And I had I looked at pictures of bald men, and the first three were Stone Cold, Patrick Stewart, and I can't even remember the third. But it was like, "Oh, I have to." You'll so look like Stone Cold. Yul Brenner. <laughs> I think it was Idris Elba. I think it was the yeah. third one. Someone in there was, yep, yeah, if I'm in, the, okay, if I'm like y'all, fine, I'm shaving my head. But Stone Cold's my three and it's really hard because he's my three, then how do you get higher? That's where I'm at. Number three was hard for me. There's two that I don't know where to put them with three. So I'm putting both at three because I don't care. It's my list. One of them is Edge. <laughs> so tie for three is one's Edge because he's the one that first taught me how to hate a heel. Because I fucking despised Edge when I first watched him. That's why I love this man. And the second one is RVD. One of a kind. Watching him was also awesome. And that's where I like started really liking high-flying wrestling. I was watching RVD. So Because I both wa- started watching around the same time. Edge is really a, Edge. We all know. Talked about him. One of the most amazing people on the planet. And RVD, unfortunately, was getting pushed and didn't get pushed. Which still sucks. But his one night one night stand against John Cena, one of the biggest pops of all time when he won that match, holding the ECW and the WWE Championship at the same time, incredible. If you don't have a chance, watch that match, ECW one night stand, awesome. And yell at JBL the whole time because he's an asshole. It's JBL, yep. Yeah. Number two. So. Technically, this is part of WWE because for my number two pick, I'm going to be heading down to the NXT brand. And here's the thing. So black and gold, Nickelodeon slime color 2.0. Now we're in the stages of 2.75 at this point. (laughs) But there have been a lot of great wrestlers that come out of NXT, both in black and gold in this current iteration. But looking at everything... I think the one that has been consistently great since joining NXT and being signed to WWE NXT, my number two is going to your current NXT North American champion, Wesley. For me, I'm familiar with Wes's work outside of WWE before he got signed with WWE because he is currently still part of the Rascals, which is him, his tag team partner, and Trey Miguel. But I, for me, Wes, I've... I'm a big spot and high flying wrestler. His finisher is still one of his finisher that he's currently using is crazy where he does a flip and then kicks somebody in the chin like midway through is just beautiful work. But the reason I pick Wesley is because, again, I'm a big sucker and I want to support wrestlers, especially when behind the scenes stuff kind of screws them over a little bit. So because he was a tag team wrestler and he was tag team champ in NXT, but then his partner got let go because of some things that went on, whether it was the picture of his tag team partner of a Halloween one year or the allegations that were coming out from his ex-wife that were happening. And he was floundering on NXT. He was job being jobbed out to a lot of people. But then he started building wins. And then from Halloween Havoc, Last year, all the way on, Wes, I think, has had one of the best title reigns in modern WWE history for me. And that's a bold statement to say. I think he's had every single title defense has been amazing. And he's putting on lots and lots of great matches. Again, 
That fatal five-way at Stand and Deliver was just, mwah, it was so beautiful. And to see that live made me even a bigger fan. But running down the list of people he's defended it against, Ilya Dragunov, Dragon Lee, J.D. McDonough, Nathan oh, Frazier. The dragon, the dragon, El <laughs> Nathan Frazier, Carmelo Hayes, just running, Car Cameron Grimes, like, he has had such an incredible turnaround from going to a tag team wrestler and because of circumstances out of his control, floundering and being jobbed out in NXT to be given the chance to slowly build up wins. And he has consistently held that NXT title down. And at the time of this recording, I'm interested. I'm really excited for that one on one match between him and Tyler Bate. That's I love me some flippy boys <laughs> and that match is going to be good. And then eventually Wes versus Mustafa Ali is also going to be great, but Wesley is my number two. I know I'm cheating because I'm going to NXT, but Wesley is one of my current favorites right now. You can cheat there. My number two is a cheat now because it's no longer WWF or WWE, but they're still involved in wrestling right now. My number two is Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, sure. yeah. his WWE run from the crap he was given at the beginning all the way through his personality, even when he was retired and doing talking smack, everything else, that is a consummate person that I would tune in to watch every week to see what happened. The bad creative, the good creative, whatever ended up happening with him, he made gold out of everything of it, and he was technically able to back it up because he was such a damn good wrestler. Daniel, and now is Brian Danielson in AEW, must see TV for me. That's cool. That's cool. I might. That's good. No, you're exactly right. It's hard. This is a fucking hard. This is such a fucking hard list. And I didn't get into. I didn't know about Daniel Bryan Anderson until way late in his WWE career. Seeing some matches, like, oh, this dude's great, and then he disappeared. And then turned up a few years later, and I was like, oh, you're here. Oh, you're back. Oh, you're this. So I wish I had seen more of him. I'm so excited between him, the match between him and Okada at Forbidden Door in two weeks. It's, it's good. I'm. Really glad that he's still out there and I get a chance to, to see this. Stay tuned for the watch along special coming very soon. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, we gotta do that. My number two is, I don't want to say obvious, but say, yeah, of course, McFoley. I go McFoley. I go Mankind. I go Cactus Jack and Dude Love and all these other intricate whatever things. The fact that Mick had a pay per view where Mick was all three characters at different times for different reasons. In the Rumble. He gave me yeah, the rumble. In the rumble came in as all in the rumble. That's right. It was just fantastic. Man, the feud that really got me into wrestling, wrestling as a teenager and young adult was the Mankind Undertaker feud that went about three or four years and was just horrifying. And it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain to you young people, but this idea that at anywhere, at any time, there was a psycho wearing a mask was going to stick his fingers down your throat until you passed out. And they, that mankind could be anywhere. And it would out. just happen. <laughs> Can I say, one, oh. one of the creepiest ways to end a match, too, because when they go into his outro theme and they put the mm -hmm. window up and he'd be sitting there and he would, he'd be calm, mm -hmm. eerily calm after what he did. It was, it, he, oh my God. There was a sock puppet angle for a while where there was a sock puppet he would talk to and then fall asleep one and all these weird little things. It would always Socko. <laughs> it was And it was... If you were watching Raw at that time, it was the Mankind matches were at the end of the night when it was dark and it was creepy and they could cut away so you never saw the exit or the exit was a little different and weird. Then if you've read McFoley's book, which I read a chunk of it because a friend of mine had it. I haven't read the whole thing, but the legend of Mick and everything Mick has done. And the now stuff that's cliche, JR going, oh, God, 
He's broken in half. He's broken in half. He killed him. And then The Undertaker going, yeah, I was looking at a dead man. Wow, I just killed someone live on TV. Okay. But mix a legend and mix a legend in a hundred different countries. Like anywhere Mick goes, it's oh, you're the one that lit Terry Funk on fire. Oh, that's right, you're the one that survived all this stuff. This um, um, Mick Foley. I'm excited. He's coming to Burlington to do a stand-up show at the comedy club up here, and that's how excited I am that Mick Foley. Mick Foley is? Oh fuck yeah! On the anniversary of the King of the Ring show, which is it's the 25th anniversary, he's doing a show up here at the comedy club. That's awesome. Tell me you're going. Is he in Vermont? (laughs) No, no, he's just in Vermont. I don't know why he's in Vermont. Tell me you're going. (laughs) Because it's Mick Foley. At this time, we're going to set up a GoFundMe so we can have JVL cover that as an IRL special report. I would have paid 100 bucks. I can get a meet and greet with him and get him to take a picture with me and talk to him for a little bit. (laughs) This is is a tangent, and you'll understand this. As a character, Mankind was the most disgusting, disturbing, ugly, what the hell is that thing? Tactics Jack, you were just like, that's just some dude who lives in a van. Dude Love was like, you think you're hot, but you're not. But if you see the real McFoley, you're like, you're a handsome Dabon guy. Look at you. Who are you? He has also what? raised, he's raised the sweetest kids too, because his daughter is so sweet and lovely. And he's just a down-to-earth dude, and he genuinely cares about the business. He doesn't let allegiances sway him. He's going to say things like, this is great, this is not, and he always gives kudos to everybody. (laughs) Just on the new Dark Side of the Ring about Chris Candido and hearing him talk about Tammy and Chris was breaking. I gotta watch this. So that's my pick right there. Number two. Number two. Damn, I'm not gonna, that was heartfelt. I'm not sure I'm gonna fill this one up. My oh, number two wow. uh, was debatable. My number two is uh, Dave Batista. See, I wanted to put him on my left. Mm, go. I love because that the biggest reasons as a kid, the move, his spine buster popped me as a kid, watching him build that move out and then just watching the way he wrestled and everything that he did when he was a heel, when he was a face, with evolution, when he turned on, which you will hear him number one, everything that he did. I really loved what he did as a, as everything that he did. And then when he came back, his little wave that he did when he left the company for the final time, even his last match against the Triple H when he officially retired. All Give that. me what I want. Give me what I want. He was really good no matter what he did. And now he's just a great, now he's even, he had great hawking chops as we're seeing now what he's doing in the Hollywood world. In my opinion, the best wrestling transition to actor I've seen just all around. Awesome. He's a great human being as well. If Batista is considered the best wrestler turned actor Period. Yeah. Incredible. And it's I mean, when you look at the film work he's doing, it's oh shit. Like the yeah. rock is sticky and does great comedies and John Cena's out there and doing who shall not be named was doing shit in the eighties and look at all Does these sticky count? things. Roddy Piper. Like here's this movie. Roddy Piper's movies were fine to yeah. I mean well, watching them not so much. They live Dave Batista's yeah. doing dramatically watching him do the movie the I don't remember what it's called, the movie where it's like we have you one of you guys have to kill each other because an apocalypse is happening. Yeah. Oh, the, like, the knock at the cabin. Yeah, like, yeah that movie was so good. Like he can play those dramatic roles, but then he also can play the big, meaty, strong guy that The Rock does. He did both in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yes, I have. I was told not to see this. Should I see this? You should watch it. It's, if for nothing else, for for the opening scene with Dave Batista in it. Yes, a replicant and like the heartbreaking scene, which turns into the most violent scene in the world. It's really good. Because I was told by. 
nerds not to and that's fuck nerds me. i'm a nerd <laughs> we're the only nerds who Perfect. matter Fair. the council has spoken when I was going through my phase of I want to be a professional wrestler, my I wanted my moveset to be based around what Dave was doing. Spine busters, the spears, it's some of my favorite moves. I don't want to use a spear anymore, unfortunately, because fucking everybody uses that move now. But um, you do the mini bomb. Oh the, the, the mini bomb. <laughs> the Batista bomb, of course, the sit-out power bomb. I wish he stayed standing when he did it, but the sit-out was cool. All around, I love what he did. Incredible wrestler, even better human being. Yeah. My number two is Batista. Glass on ah. was hysterical. Oh my gosh. That movie overall was so good, but Dave Batista fucking killed me. <laughs> if you gave a six or seven, I would definitely have Dave Batista on there. He'd be Dave, on there, yeah. Dave was right there. Again, there's no right or wrong answer for these lists because it's so subjective. And there's honestly, from past and present, there's so much talent you can pick from, honestly. Sure. And even. What's great is, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but because of how many promotions we have now, you see all these older people from like the 90s and the early 2000s are finding success across other brands and things like that. Like Mr. Billy Gunn, Daddy Ass is so over (laughs) at AEW. And Austin Creed talks about this. And I, I love Austin Creed's take on this. And it's evolved to where McMahon had his such a tight grip for 50 years. Now it is, hey, you got to let us reinvent ourselves because when I turn 50, I can't walk. Yeah. Got to give me a chance to be something else and learn something else while I'm here doing learn it. Learn a acting. trick. Yeah, acting is an easy quote-unquote transition because, oh, look, we'll put you on the camera. Mm-hmm. Some guys have gone into stunt coordination and a bunch of other stuff because they yeah. can like, choreograph. There's also people I'm just like, like I always will bring them up too, but the way that, And this is also a tangent, too, because you could see the mark that a lot of these professional wrestlers have had on some celebrities. Like we talked about this earlier a little bit, but Stephen Amell is a huge fan of professional wrestling. And at first, when they bring in celebrities in WWE, it's just, yeah, it is whatever. I still if of the minority that Snooki did not do that bad during her WrestleMania match. (laughs) Bad Bunny is on the is the for me, Bad Bunny is like my all time favorite, but it also might be because I'm half Puerto Rican. So I got to support the Puerto Ricans. Johnny Knoxville shows up. That was great between him and Sami Zayn. But all those all these when, when double ce- G? Snoop, Snoop Dogg's a real one. <laughs> celebrities show Muppets. up and are actually all in on it. Stephen Amell. Yeah, Stephen Amell is the one that I always go to. Him and Bad Bunny are like the two. So if you want to see good celebrity involvement, like they give a shit. Those two, like as silly as the match was between Stephen Amell and Stardust, like that was a silly match. But man, did they do well. And now he's producing like his own wrestling drama series. And CM Punk, of all people, was involved in this show and just getting independent wrestlers to be part of the actors as well as Stephen Amell is doing the Lord's work. But that's a side tangent. Number one, number one. Go ahead. Can I be the old man and go, back in my day, my favorite celebrity person you had back there was Leslie Nielsen. In yes! Make the gun thing and like looking for The Undertaker, which is the uh-huh. funniest fucking thing ever. Wasn't Mr. T did a celebrity ref a bunch of times in the 80s? That was the big, come on out here and riff this thing. He was in the main event of WrestleMania 1. Yeah, that, like right in the middle of that. One of my other personal favorites too are, yeah. Tyson was the fun one. RIP to Betty White, but Betty White always had me cracking up when she ever <laughs> she was guest starring. Like she Shaq. Oh my gosh. Him and Jake Hart 
him and Jay Cargill had a tag team match against Cody and Brandy, which was something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. <laughs> this is a whole different list of best celebrity whatevers. But like Dennis Rodman had some actually solid. So f- what a fucking weirdo. Movies. But yeah. <laughs> But like matches, I remember watching. This is amazing. What the hell? I think we found our. We could talk. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I'm writing this down. I'm writing this down for a future topic. Episode about all this stuff. Number one, Mikey. Number one, W E. Yes, I'm aware of that JBL right here. (laughs) I mean, if it's not obvious by my shirt, my number one is going to be Eddie Guerrero, and here's why. Okay, listen. (laughs) Why? Here's why. <laughs> Speaking of which, John, I got to professor. I got to send you this picture that I saw earlier because Simon Miller was wrestling earlier today and he's dressed up. Are you familiar with One Punch Man? Yes. Oh, hello. That's my, Never- that's my logo here on Discord. <laughs> OK, I forgot about that for a hot second. But anyways, I'm going to send you this picture because Simon Miller. <laughs> no, put right the video there. back on. Put the video back on. The editing is going to be so hard for the video. Anyways, uh, Joff, I love you. Anyways, so I'm going to send you this picture, but Simon Miller was wrestling today and he's literally dressed up as Saitama. It is the best thing on the planet. I'm going to put it in the chat, but my number one, Eddie Guerrero. For me, this is the personal bias. Outside of Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero was one of the other few Latin wrestlers that made big headways in Vincent Kennedy McMahon's WE. Because let's be honest here, like all the current roster of Latin talent usually either get thrown as the saucy Latin lover, which is a trope that most of us hate, or in some cases, they are also the foreign exchange student archetype where they don't speak a lick of English <laughs> and then they get made fun of because they only speak Spanish or have an accent, which I'm not down with. But Eddie Guerrero, for me, is one of those wrestlers that I looked up to as a kid, even going back his history. He was one of the few that always got mentioned in my household only because his body of work always it was great. And again, another redemption story because he got let go. He got his shit together, came back, was on the rise, found so much success. And it was just unfortunate that he passed away the way he did because it was just like, I think that's what the heartbreaking thing is for me, too. It was like nothing super crazy. It just happened that he had a minor. He fought super crazy. Duh. But... It's just sad. And also, as weird as that, he was part of one of the most iconic rivalries for me, just as from story. And I'm like, the story makes no fucking sense, but I'm here for it. The custody of Dominic was such a weird storyline. But for me, it worked because Ray and him are were so close in real life. They're like, this is stupid. But you know what? It makes it easier because like they are actually family. Dominic knows both of them. And Eddie is always given props and always getting tributes because everyone in their fu- That's another move, by the way, that I'm tired of seeing is unless you are the LWO, I'm fucking tired of all the three amigos, especially from all of the white wrestlers. Like, sit down. You don't No, I don't want I don't want you doing that. See, I didn't have to see it all the time from him, but I also gave him flack for it. I was like, stop it. You're white. You, I mean, you can't. It makes sense why he did it, though, because he did it. In, he did it in his food with Ray. Yeah, so, so I'm. Stop doing it now. I was like, you can stop. But Eddie Guerrero, LWO, 
and I cried when his theme song played for Ray's entrance at WrestleMania. Minnie was there. He saw me. We cried. We shed a lot of tears. <laughs> but Eddie Guerrero holds a special place in my heart. He is my number one for WWE. If I had a five A, B, and C, it was like five. It was a three-way tie to put Eddie in oh, there. Yeah. I just didn't oh, yeah. see enough of Eddie by the time I was watching that second reiteration of him coming back. But I loved his work. It was always so much fun to watch. I have learned to appreciate him more, unfortunately, after he passed. I, I was not sure. as tied into him earlier. But yeah, my number one. Kind of cliche, but it's not. And not only is it because of what this person gave to the wrestling industry, what they brought up with it, who they're attached to and everything else, but also personally having seen them live when I was a child, being in the room with them and my brother interacting with them directly in the crowd, Bret Hart is my number one. The excellence of execution could have a good match with a broom, could put everybody over and knew how to carry anybody to something else. Interacted with the fans spectacularly. For as gruff as he was in person, he was definitely loving for a lot of things. Carried his family through a lot of tragedy, was screwed over, all that stuff. And the personal aspect, my brother got given the damn sunglasses. He got them no at a house show. Way. At a fucking house show. I will forever be tied to Bret Hart because my brother, because he was there. I they framed? Like, they're still out there? He, my brother broke them on the playground. We lost them in the divorce. We don't know where they are. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. No. That was the same night that when Undertaker used to throw his hat out into the crowd every once in a while, it whizzed oh. over our head and we almost touched it. But it was a house show in Hartford, Connecticut. We lost out on it. But Bret Hart has been part of my wrestling world forever and will always be my number one. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful and heartbreaking in a beautiful way. My number one, when I started watching wrestling, waking up hella early on Saturday mornings, because wrestling used to be on before cartoons. Cartoons would start at 6 or 6.30. Then there would be like wrestling reruns. And I remember like Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ric Flair matches and early original face paint, Sting, and all kinds of stuff. And just random shows that would play out here in california it was probably wif reruns at the time but there was also like ohio pro and territorial stuff that would play in the mornings and I, superstars when that really kicked up and then when raw really kicked up and i started watching again the first wrestler i remember watching and going that guy that's the one that guy's like me of course i was eight was the undertaker i was all in because i've been a creepy shit kid since i was little Wearing a Ghostbuster shirt now. You're friends with Shotzi. Uh, you worked with Shotzi Blackheart, of all people, which I'm still jealous, by movie. the way. On, on a, a horror, horror movie. Where I killed a lot of teenagers with an axe. <laughs> Shout <laughs> out. Shotzi, oh, we want it? you on this podcast. <laughs> Please, throw me a bone. They don't believe me. Uh, oh, no. I, I fully believe you. I just no, find it I, funny that, like, of all of us, there's some people that have had experience on horror movies. You killed people. I got murdered. Fair enough. <laughs> Horror movies are fun. If you ever get a chance, I punched myself in the leg in a horror movie. So I got jumps. I got got jump scared that bad. Nice. So I I remember watching The Undertaker as a kid and just going, "This is amazing. I want to be like that. I want to watch that. I like that." And of course, this was they were shoving Shawn Michaels out there, and they were pushing everybody. They're pushing Bret Hart. They're pushing everyone. It was always The Undertaker. I when I was little, and I'm I know it's he who shall not be named. I had a pre-ripped yellow 
Hulkster shirt from a my dad's coworker gave it to me because he knew I watched wrestling. I'd wear it every now and then. I remember taking it off when the Undertaker would come on the screen and then putting it back on when the Undertaker left. I just thought the Undertaker was the coolest thing in the world. All the gothic horror dead man stuff. If we get to gimmicks in my time frame before I gotta go, you know where my gimmick's gonna go. So oh, nimble. All the, the even. I'm gonna gush too much, and we got shit to play, places to go. Even the American Badass thing worked for me. The first, I don't know, six months of it, I was like, okay, you're a UFC dude on a bike, and you beat people up, and you're okay. I buy it. Once it got a little too faux patriot, I was like, okay, bring back the dead man, which once the dead man came back, it was over. So I was, I'm still on, I'm dying. I really want to see the speaking tour. It's just not in the States. Here it's amazing, but was always such a pro and so kind. And, and that, that guy. Yeah, The Undertaker did, always did it for me. Mark Howe is the GOAT. Yes, yeah, so one of mine, of course, is... I've already mentioned it before, and it's for the reasons so a little bit behind me. I grew up, I was in DCS custody or CPS custody for a good chunk of my childhood. And he's one of the reasons why just I couldn't really watch wrestling too much. It's just the thought of what he would do really helped me a lot. My number one is Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Grew up watching him what, win the world title, everything else. He just he gave me a lot of the strength that you would need as a young kid to get through a lot of the adversities that I went through. Thinking about what would Ray do? Ray can get through this. This huge wrestling fan as a kid, even though I was told it wasn't a lot to watch it. I was like, I'm watching it anyways, because I like Ray Mysterio. I like the 619. I like what he does, and he's awesome. And in fact, he still wrestles today. And I cried like a little baby when he came out at Mania. Just above and beyond, just he is my number one and will always be my number one. And I'm happy he's in the Hall of Fame and he's getting all the things that he recognized and he deserves. Just yeah, Ray is that is that he is him for me. I think all of our number ones are the ones that if we heard the music, we cry. Like, it yeah. just happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I cried when I heard Eddie's music, and then I also cried again with with Minnie here when Ray's music hit at WrestleMania. Uriel had to look at both of us as bro. I yeah. was like, leave me alone! <laughs> what was the... I can't remember. You guys remember more than me. And I just saw... I saw a replay of this. I did not see it live. Paul Bearer walking out <sighs> without any music. Oh, my gosh. And everyone just going... And just not just smiling and then just slowly turning until the gong hit. And it's, oh, I can't. I still remember the the one where he opened the giant urn with the lightning and starts spinning it around and the thunder starts to crash. And oh, man. Oh, my goodness. I, it's so good. Oh, yeah. Pomp errors. God, I loved him. (laughs) This is a tangent and we'll get there. And I got. I have maybe an hour before I get to do dad stuff. But those characters like that are dying. They're not yeah. out there anymore. And that's such a cool part of wrestling in general. That's But they're hard to sell and they're hard to book now. They're hard to... No one's... Again, not to always sound like I'm getting on my acting high horse. But, <laughs> but you just got to get a character actor that can nail a character like that down. And it's going to work. They had one for a while. WWE had Bray Wyatt who could do that. And wrestle, and they couldn't book the shit out of them. And there, we'll talk about this more, but there's other ones that I feel are right there if they just did it a little different. Alrighty. So we just spent like a good hour on just this list alone. On just this. 
<laughs> we had seven things we had to write down for Mikey. Top five, seven different topics. I got I'm, one, and it's a third of the podcast already. You got through <laughs> half of um, one. Okay. Do you want to just pick one more to go through, and then this is we're gonna have to part two this thing. <laughs> we could. We can also speed run if we like. Speed Why would we do that? Think? That's this true. Is get to, this is the get to know us podcast. Why would we speed run? People All right. Like, get to know us and why we like our things. Okay. You hate what we are about to say. Let's fuck you. Uh, damn <laughs> all right hey you know what we can Come make this Vermont, fight me we can make this into a multi-part i don't mind that's that, honestly this would be great this would be good, be good to be like have in our back pockets when we don't do other things we can also like anyways all right so let do we want to go to non-wwe male or do we want to jump into females wwe i feel like we could round out wwe females and then we might want to save a part two for all not WWE. And just be like, here's every, here's all the other stuff you should care about. Okay. So then let's do this. Let's go through top five female WWE. And then we'll jump around to some of our favorite matches <laughs> across okay. the years. Sure. And then next time we can save a part two for top male, top female, non WWE related. And then get into characters and like characterizations and just mo- moments and things like that. All right. Let's see how far we get. If anything, we can also use the watch along <laughs> in two weeks. Undertaker. All right, here we go. So number five for WWE. Number five, number five for me, and this is WWE. So I learned my lesson because JBL won't let me forget it. Anyways, I, am not, I have stopped talking about this, Mikey. I don't know why you keep bringing this up. Because I, you just can you stop bringing it up and actually just do the list. It'd be nice if you did the list for once. Just let the list go. <laughs> This is a hate crime. <laughs> you flipping me off is a hate crime. Anyways, all right, number five. <laughs> I'm probably gonna get some hate for this because most people put her as like the number one at the top of the list. But by number five is Trish Stratus. Interesting. <laughs> Here's the thing. Because we're also looking at current women too. How do I put this nicely? The current women, minus Vincent Kennedy, my man getting his sticky fingers on some of the women's booking. I feel like a lot of the modern women have been better booked. At least Triple H has booked the women in black and gold NXT better than the history of the company. But I have to put Trish Stratus on this list because she is literally one of the few women in the 2000s like that literally put women's wrestling on the map for WWE. And she took it seriously and that she wanted to do everything she could to get the women taken seriously in a time where it was bra and panty matches pretty much every other week. (laughs) Trish's body of work has Trish has had some of my favorite rivalries. Obviously every, the ones that gets brought up a lot is her and Lita's feud as one of the best women's feud of that time. I really enjoyed it, but I actually think the feud that kind of solidified me as a Trish Stratus fan was her feud with Mickey James Because I think both of those women like and Lita, too, you're going to see those two women somewhere in this list, because let's be real here. But those three in particular were like the pillars that made WWE fans be like, oh, women's wrestling can actually be really good. It's not about scantily clothed women or like half naked things and things like that. And I have to give it to Trish as well, because she was given some shit as well (laughs) in terms of what she had to do. 
I think it was either. I think she was involved in that mud wrestling match where she in interviews has stated that it's the worst match she has hated in her career because it was so demoralizing. It was so degrading. But she did what she had to do because it led to her actually being able to get more opportunities for her and the women to be on TV. And the fact that she was part of the first ever women's main event on a TV show, which was bonkers at the time. But Trish Stratus is my number five. I hope that she gets a better story now that she's back, because right now it's not working with me between her and Becky at the moment. But that's because it's just meandering a little bit because we're just building towards money in the bank. But I'm hoping that after that one's over, we can get a solid build. What is eventually, I think, going to be her versus Becky at SummerSlam. But Trish Stratus, my number five. Oh, it's me. Sorry. Now, my number five is for nothing other than just personal preference, because I love watching her work and it's a current wrestler right now. And she's not been given any rope to go with between the injury she's had happen and then no push at all. But I love Tika Knox. I always have. She is amazing. I want her to succeed so fucking hard and to be shown from the dark matches I've seen her in from the stuff in NXT when she was healthy, she is an amazing worker and can really pull this off. Give her a shot. I love Tegan Knox team kick forever. Um, this is going to be totally different. This is a pick that I don't think anyone would put out there. For me, I, women's wrestling, when I was watching and <laughs> the gesture, I'm going to say Mae Young. I'm going to go all the way back. I'm going to say Mae Young. I did a little bit of the research on her. I knew a little bit of her history. Started wrestling in like the 40s and 50s when it was pure kayfabe and carnival. And if you go back and look, even in the black and white photos, May was a looker back then. But there was nothing... You hadn't gotten to Braun Panties 1990s, really. It was still seen as a tough woman, go beat up tough woman stuff. Had a career, had a great career, was away for it for 20 years, lived a life, and then came back in the late 90s. <laughs> and had these interests with her and the fabulous Moolah, who should be on this list, but I had the edge of something. Just kind of what we were... What Mikey was speaking to a little bit was... Women are more than just a gimmick or a shtick or a, they are characters and performers. They're doing the physical acts. They're doing everything that we expect the men to do. And in a lot of cases, doing it better. And if you have not seen Bubba Ray Dudley, put 77-year-old Mae Young through a table just because he can. And the story behind it where he's literally telling Vince, no, I think that's a bad idea. And Mae pushes him and goes, you're going to do it anyway. And he's, okay, I'm sorry I killed you on TV. His reaction is real. Is him actually going, I just did that to a 77-year-old woman. And part of it, too, is she's alive. She took the bump. Oh, my God. And then she um, got up and asked him to do it off the stage. Exactly. <laughs> it was so funny because Bubba, but a.k.a. Bully Ray. Bully <laughs> He said this in an interview with Chris Van Vliet, and he's just, you know what? I didn't want to do it, but she's the one that coaxed us into doing yeah. it. She's like, it'll be fine. Mae Young was out here wiling. <laughs> and I think that's the same interview where he's literally like, America, that's when I realized that we're doomed. That the, they cheered for me when I did that to this nice old woman. <laughs> but also, he, she, he credited her for making his career. Ah, I want to, and I think she... She was wrestling up until when she passed away. I think she passed away. Pretty much. Yep. Like she was doing matches and then like a few weeks after one, she passed away and she was booked. She was on the calendar for other stuff. 
And the fact that she has a, it doesn't happen anymore, but the two times it happened, she had a whole women's wrestling tournament named after her, the Mae Young Classic. So I think that as far as, it's interesting that, how do I say this? It seems like when someone passes away, they're a legacy and a legend for a little while, and then we forget their impact. I think we've done that with the Mae Young, this movement, where you realize, oh, wow, he really carried the torch. Women's wrestling was buried. 50s, 60s, 70s. It was just house shows and other things. You didn't see it on the TVs. And then it came back in the 90s, and then Mae Young showed up and went, by the way, we've been doing this. Put me through the fucking table. Interject on that. Part of the reason why it was buried was because of Fabulous Moolah. Is that true? General. Yeah. She should be buried and never remembered for a lot of different reasons. But because of her stranglehold on, I'm the only person that trains these women. I'm the only one that gets sure. paid by them. I basically send them out as sex slaves to my my male counterparts to sell them out on that stuff. Mula held on to women's wrestling and basically said, if I can't do it and you don't book me, this isn't going to happen. And That's, so, so I've heard bits and pieces of this legend. I just don't know enough about it, but I've Mula, heard that. Mula ruined women's wrestling and even ruined it in the eighties and stuff like that. Wendy Richter was one of her acolytes that like, huh? got the title because of Mula. Mula took it off her to be in the spotlight in the eighties. And while you bring her up, and I understand she's part of the history, like I feel like she shouldn't be tied sure. to May Young, even though they were. And that's my own personal thing on this. Like Mula is, is like the uh, the yellow and red person we don't name. We just don't talk about. Right. Ah. Uh, see, and maybe I just don't know enough about her in that history. I just knew May Young's really well because for some reason I knew. And May Young is amazing. Yeah, May Young's oh, amazing. amazing person. But I'd heard that Mula was taken. This is another podcast. Sorry. <laughs> We can have our own version of Dark Side of the oh, Ring going oh, into it. <laughs> so, Minnie, who you got your number five for WWE women? My number five is the ninth wonder of the world, China. Nice. Uh, I don't. I haven't done a lot of watching the women's wrestling because when I was really, I just started doing it recently when I started really getting back into wrestling. When I was watching, when I was younger. I was like, I'm gonna watch a dude get thrown through a table. Really don't care about the prompt panty matches because I was a young kid. And back, it was the early 2000s that they're still weren't the best but china what she did with dx her winning the ic belt all the crazy shit that she did china and then it was more that the legacy the impact she left on wrestlers that are around now like one of the things that broke my heart i think it was a scott hall they asked oh it was xbox they asked a question he goes i wish because what was your biggest wish right now because i wish china was still around i'm like at the time it tells the kind of the impact that she had all the wrestlers that she was around what she did so that's why i think she's deserving of the number five spot for me sure Number four. So this one's also like for me, my number four, just because for me up until this point. So we ent- we're entering the Divas era WWE, right? So maybe a little less bra and panty matches, but a lot of the women's wrestlers during the Divas era were mostly just hot girls and models and twins in certain cases. But then... As the Divas era kept going, we got introduced to more. We got introduced to some women that actually were good on the mic and were good wrestlers. Poor Natalia. She had to struggle through the Divas era, too, as like the only one that actually was a good wrestler. And I still don't think she gets the proper credit she deserves, but that's neither here nor there. My number four is actually going to go to. I'm going to cheat because I'm going to put two here because it was hard to pick because both of them, I think, jump started women's wrestling in WWE once again being taken as this thing where we know the women's wrestlers. The women's wrestling is actually better than the men's wrestling in a lot of cases because these women can go. But a tie for number four, I'm going to give it to AJ Lee and Paige. 
like during the divas era, those two women did both hold the divas title before it got retired. And I think these two, there was something there that kind of started the spark was like, oh, shit, women's wrestling can be taken seriously and that women can actually be good in the ring. And it's not just, oh, look at how hot we are. Paige, Soraya, whatever you want to call her now, like before getting injured, homegirl was what, 19 when she came up from NXT and she won the title on her main roster debut. That's just how much amazing she was. And then AJ dropping her own mini pipe bomb when she said it's like most of you women are here to look pretty or to for the ratings or you do whatever you need. You're not here to wrestle. And watching that promo, just watching all the women do their thing. But you could see that Natalia was like, damn, this girl is speaking some truth. (laughs) So those two, for me, started what would later become NXT. And I think that Paige and AJ, they both I don't want to say pave the way because that's not true. But they were my introduction to be like, oh, wait, women's wrestling can actually be really good. Because then later on, we would get an NXT, we would get Charlotte. Becky, Sasha, Bailey, which would then lead to what we have in Bianca, Raquel, Liv Morgan. Like those two, I put like what showed me as a person be like women's wrestling can be taken seriously and that when given enough time, they could put on some solid matches and eventually actually be a lot better than a lot of the men's matches that were going on at that time outside of like your heavy hitters. And honestly, those two have helped me do more research on my women's wrestlers. And that's why I'm such a proponent of those two, because they made me fall in love with women's wrestling again. And it's now evolved into there's so much female talent out there. It's just yeah. But my number four is a tie between Paige and AJ. I'm not going to take more time. My number four is the exact same as yours, Mikey. Hey, nice. Literally was the exact same for the same reasons. Going on to the professor. <laughs> Yay. It falls to me. I'm... I'm torn on using this one for a few reasons, and you'll understand when I mention it. And in fact, I'm going to call an audible on my own thing. I'm going to flip a few things around. I'm going to I'm going to make it endless because I like Shotzi. I'm going to put Shotzi in my top five. Yes, <laughs> yes. We stand. I stand Shotzi in this household. Shotzi's great. For and we've she talked about it every one of my GM mode picks for my G, when I do GM mode in WWE 2K. She's always <laughs> yes. on my roster. And she's always the title holder going into the season. And she's so genuine. She's having a blast. Her promos are always great. Like she's running circles around the edit. The, all these. Ah, she runs circles around the content. Is basically what I'm trying to say. You can give her anything, and she's going to sell it, and she's going to have a blast, and she's going to call anybody out. Yeah, but they're the, her, into into a carefoot clutch. It works really well. And it was great. Her and Natalia's tag t- as a tag team, I did not hate. I thought it was okay, fine, whatever. But I feel like Shotzi can work with anybody, do a great job. Yeah, Some of the indie, sure. if you've ever seen her indie stuff from right when she started, when she was doing house shows in the middle of nowhere, Oakland, and the random warehouses, Shotzi was doing crazy shit and still does. It's it, her jumping off and doing suicide dives and getting caught by four people. She was hanging from the rafters and jumping from lights and doing psycho things in back in her day. So I'm really excited to see where she's going. I fear that she's getting pushed into the coolest mid-card ever, which makes me sad because I hope that potential gets better. I think they've given her a ceiling, which makes me sad. Because she doesn't have a finisher. 
She needs a finisher. She just needs a finisher. And then maybe they'll push that. Shoot him with the tank. Fuck it. I don't know. Do anything. <laughs> she has everything else. She has a cool fucking entrance. Like, depending on the city, uh, the crowd is behind her. She is amazing on the mic when given the time and not forced to read, regurgitate a piece of paper that was changed in 15 minutes. Like, when you let her be her, like when she hosted the two years of Halloween Havoc, when you just let her be her, uh-huh. it's amazing. <laughs> She's great. I love Shotzi. She's a total professional working on a shitty indie horror movie that I was in. She was a blast. And those are stories I can't quite tell. Not that any, she's ever going to hear this, but if you want to hear some of those stories, I can tell them to oh, you. Oh, I wholeheartedly do. They're oh, yeah. hilarious. In our IMDb, our movie, which is rated two out of ten stars on IMDb. <laughs> oh, you got two. You got two whole stars. Shotzi's great. Moving on. Oh, man. My number four is, is Natalia. Uh, hey, really? I, I like Natalia a lot. I think she's she was one of the legitimately good wrestlers during the Divas area. She struggled through it, slopped through it, and here she is now still one of the longer tenured veteran female wrestlers on the roster now. Incredible wrestling, of course, she's a heart. So, of course, she had some of the best wrestling features you can have on the entire planet. And then uh, her personality, she's funny. She's a great person. She's just like an individually an awesome individual. And she's just all around a good person great wrestler does well in the mic does well in the ring no matter what kind of spot you put her in unfortunately she got squashed at a night of champions but she's awesome so i like natalia she's been number four fun fact natalia is the only woman who has been to every single saudi arabia show she was the part of the first one when the women were given there and she's been there almost for every saudi show as part of wrestling i just want her to get more credit I like JVL's idea. Make her the leader of a faction called the Heart Dungeon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, number three. So this might come as a surprise, but my number three is going to be Alexa Bliss. <laughs> so here's the thing. In this modern iteration of the female wrestlers, like everyone immediately always names the four horsewomen of NXT. Charlotte, Mercedes, a.k.a. Sasha Banks, formerly known as Sasha Banks, Bailey, Becky, and those four women definitely were a foundation for NXT. But I feel like a lot of people don't talk about how important Alexa was a part of that class of women, too, because I really fell in love with Alexis when she came to main roster and when she ditched her cheerleader gimmick for I'm going to be this mean girl And I'm just going to dominate. And just for me, Alexa is like one of the first examples of how NXT as a developmental can actually work really well. Because this girl had no experience when she got signed. And just to see the leaps and bounds she has grown when between her time in NXT to main roster She still has some of my favorite matches. Like, I really enjoyed her tables match between her and Becky, where she beat Becky by putting her through a table and winning the championship. She's creative has let her down a little bit. Like, she still was a part of that god-awful this-is-your-life segment with Bailey That did nothing for both either one of those women. That was awful. But I feel like Alexa doesn't get a lot of credit because she is so good on the ring. She is good on the mic. She is... Part of one of my favorite mixed match teams of all times, Team Little Big all the way. 
And she really, really well with everyone. And the fact that because she's so small and she's also double jointed, she can sell the hell out of a lot of moons, too. Like, I remember, I believe it was her versus Sasha, like where Sasha grabbed her arm and twisted it. And because she's double jointed, it made it look like Sasha pulled her like her arm out of her socket. Alexa, I think she's been missing a little bit because she is pregnant with her first child. So I want to wish her congratulations. I love her. But my number three is Alexa, because I think she is very talented. And sometimes when we talk about our the top women of that class of NXT women, sometimes she gets looked over because homegirl is already she's won a lot of championships, tag team singles like she is up. I put her up there with Becky and Charlotte and Bailey and Sasha, too. It's just that she, I feel like she always gets left out of the conversation because she's not the four horsewoman. I feel a fury. But Team Little Big Forever. But that is my number three. My number three is Ivory. Which one? Wa- someone- <laughs> I was like, which iterate? Both. Yes. Both yes. Okay. okay. You want to watch someone who can take craptastic booking from the Attitude Era in the Braun Panties era, still be the worker that basically could outwork everybody else and take on people in the entire range from a very early or late in their career, Sable all the way through to China and like Lita and Trish ivory was the one that held that division together. You needed someone to come up on raw and do a women's match and make it look real. You got ivory. You want someone to sell a school marm persona and be against all things in the right to censor. You get ivory. You want someone to be the valet that with Mark Henry, when he's sexual chocolate and still be better on the mic than he oh, is. Oh, good knowledge. Ivory. Oh, I forgot Special all about chocolate. that. <laughs> that is such a fun gimmick, bro. I will oh, go to, to to town and say, there are many other more famous people in that division. There are many more people that people remember. The bridge that held it together, honestly, in, in a way, and this is not a degrading her, the Natalia of her entire time was Ivory in the Attitude Era. Great. I, hearing all of your picks, I'm changing my mind and moving all my things around and this is someone who I didn't watch a lot of them during their second reiteration. I knew their original reiteration, and they've been in and out of wrestling in general, but they've been known to have one of the greatest personalities in the business, period, and be a spokeswoman for all wrestlers and wrestling in general, and that's Molly Holly. Molly Holly is just a genuinely cool person. Simon Miller did an interview with her not too long ago, I want to say. Um, and it was just like, wow, you're just the nicest person ever. One of Dean Malenko's, I want to say Dean Malenko only had a handful of female protégés. I might be speaking out of pocket. I don't remember, but I know Molly Holly was one of them in the research that I looked at and what I remembered. Yeah, <laughs> that's really, I'm trying to think of more specifics, but I know we're up against it. Just such a cool person. And someone that I, in an, like we were talking about, in an era of bra and panties matches and subjugating women and treating them like objects. Right. Molly Holly. Go ahead. I was just going to say, for me, it's hard to not like her because even outside of her wrestling character, she's like the sweetest thing ever. Sweetest, nicest thing she's ever. She's backstage trying to help the women get over. Unless we forget, yeah. she, it was, she didn't argue. She agreed immediately when she lost the match to get her head shaved. She's just do it. Let's do this. Let's get these women division over. And so she was down to get her head shaved. I was like, you go, Molly Holly. 
She was. I'm looking. Yeah. I'm reading. I'm checking up my stuff right now, making sure about this. Yeah, she was a power plant. So WCW power plant protege came out of that too. So I'm checking out my bones here. Oh yeah. There's another. She was one of. She was one of Dean Malenko's only female students. I was gonna say Dean Malenko had three, and she was one of them because he was like, "Yeah, you need to come work with me and get through all this." Yeah. Could probably do any move anytime to anyone anywhere. Could work with anybody. She trained uh, with Sean Waltman as well because Sean was training with Dean Malenko at the time. So she, like basically right. having the one, two, three kid is your partner. They were the two that he used to put into any scenario yeah. to teach people what to do. Imagine though, those are your training partners. <laughs> yeah. Just Molly Holly as an, as a advocate and spokeswoman for all good. That is women's wrestling. I think that's a fair pick. Yeah. Number two. No, it's number three for mini still. Number three, mini. Number three, probably the greatest women's champion of all time. Santina Morella. No, no, I'm not going to go into it too much because we've already been talked about. My number three is going to be AJ and Paige. That's my number three. Kind of intertwined. Yeah, <laughs> they, same to me. Uh, yeah, but those are my number three. Yay! No, number two, Mikey. Number two, I. If you listen to previous episodes, I also think she doesn't get a lot of credit, and she was in WWE, and it made, and then you might find her on my other list later. But my number two is Mickey James. <laughs> Mickey James for me in WWE, again, I feel like her and Trish and Lita are the three women that held down the women's division in that weird time of bra and panty matches in the early 2000s. To go from being the stalker character for Trish to having multiple women's and Divas championship title reigns was just amazing. She is... I respect the hell out of Mickey because she believes in women's wrestling so much. And granted, whatever problems you have with NWA, she was there for a very long time as a back for representing the women as far as getting them over, booking the women's division, building the women's division in NWA and giving so many girls opportunities, up and comers to girls who are a little more well-established and for me, Mickey James can work really well with any opponent you give her from Trish to Lita to her feuds with the f- likes of Melina. Her and Alexa Bliss went back and forth a couple of times. She had a match against Sasha Banks, which was a lot of fun. And I feel that in WE per se, people tend to overlook her just because of the fact because she I think she's one of the few women that has found success in WE. But she also found success outside. So you may see Mickey come back up when we talk about her non-WE because her impact, her recent impact run, despite being injured and having to vacate the title, has been some of my favorites of her work. And I'm still upset the way that WWE treated her when she got released and the trash bag incident heard around the world. And then... The fact that she got the last laugh by being able to come back for the Royal Rumble two years ago and be introduced as the the Impact Knockouts champion in the WWE event. So it's amazing. But Mickey James, my number two. Awesome. My number two was originally going to be China. And for a lot of the same reasons that May said China was up there. But I was thinking to myself, China influenced all of them. And China is, again, across the board, an amazing choice. But one of the influences that she had, and especially going into a period where women's wrestling was really into nothing, was Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix taking that role from China, which had been brought in, and taking that powerful Amazonian like just feel and everything else in a time when there weren't a lot of competition, Victoria, Jazz, a couple of the others, 
Beth Phoenix carried that division for a while and had the chops to be with one of my other favorite wrestlers of all time, who was like my number seven or eight, Santino Morella, for all that is like goofy wrestling for life. That duo was amazing. Beth Phoenix was also like she made do with whatever her being partnered with Santino. She was great. Kali's lover at one point. Yep. Yep. I love the glam slam is Beth. I miss her on commentary. (laughs) Something that makes me really sad about women's wrestling is that I wasn't watching wrestling from 04 to 11. What women's wrestling? (laughs) Fair, but like a good chunk of Mickey James, for example, I didn't see them fighting. I knew probably because to me it was, I'm not interested in divas and brown panties matches. I want to see wrestling stuff. Little did I know years later, it was like, oh yeah, I didn't see this work. So I have to go back and watch a lot of this stuff. So if my picks seem dated, I apologize to the masses. But I'll do my homework, I promise. My my number two pick, which is difficult because in my head, we're getting to that point where it's like you're making big decisions. My number two is Lita. Because I watched Lita growing up and the beginnings of Lita's career when wrestling was finally going, let's put the women on stage, um, was always interesting. The feuds were fantastic. I want to say that was... It must have been the first Edge Lita feud right in there. And I think even, dare I say, Val Venus, I think, is in there somewhere, too. There's these weird, like, what-the-crap characters. There might even have been a sexual chocolate Mark Henry Lita storyline in there, too, somewhere at some point. But Lita was Lita being high-flying and doing great matches all the time and still doing it all these years later. And it's just, it's Lita and Trish right there for me for various reasons, but I just always watched Lita and I still, and there's this interesting moment when I see Lita now, she's sort of like, you're still there. Everything's going to be fine. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like you're at home. Go oh, hey, there's a through line there. All right, fantastic, cool. But I need to do my work on, let's watch some of these matches that, of these performers you're talking about because I want to know more. Mini number two. My number two is a, a it's kind of stupid that I have another tie, but it's going to be between Bailey and Sasha Banks. Because back when I started getting back into wrestling and started paying attention to women's wrestling, they were being pushed super heavy, both of them. And they're both just incredible in ring competitors. I watched a guy on YouTube, his name is Dr. Bo Hightower, does a lot of chiropractic slash muscle work with a lot of combat sports athletes. And I watched the interview he did with Bailey, made me love Bailey as a person. Watching what Sasha is doing right now as Mercedes on the outs, doing incredible things in other companies, showing that even our women that WWE produce can be some of the best wrestlers on the planet. And they're both kicking ass, taking names. Bailey is some of the best ring attire I've seen um, when she comes out, especially at Mania. She's really good. Her matches in NXT were phenomenal. Overall, just two incredible wrestlers, incredible people. Just awesome. Amongst these boys, they probably already guessed who my number one is. And I've shared this story on numerous occasions. See, this is where it gets hard because there are so many great, there's so much women's talent across everywhere. I was, I'm still upset. WWE was really stupid to let Taya Valkyrie go. But it's no surprise to the listening audience and to these boys. My number one is Bianca Belair. Here's the thing. (laughs) It's not a surprise. And I'm going to share the story again because it's For a lot of us here, professional wrestling is a form of entertainment, but for also, and this is why I love these boys here, these gentlemen, because there are moments in wrestling history that resonate with us and they just stick with us and help like 
make it a part of our own life stories. So the reason I love Bianca Belair is for two reasons. Number one, she is one of the first of the new class of NXT women, while it was still black and gold, to see her develop from the beginnings of NXT to where she is now. It's just like Bianca Belair is a star. And my favorite thing about her is that the last three WrestleManias that she's always does. And again, this might be a little eye rolly for some people who don't get it. But the last three WrestleManias, her entrances have always she's always brought an aspect of her culture and her heritage. She's just all about the blackness. And I love that within her because she represents herself very well from WrestleMania two years ago when she brought out the HBCU marching band. It was just amazing to this year with the Compton dance team with all the little girl dancing her into her event and her entrance at WrestleMania this year was amazing. But Bianca holds a special place in my heart because she and Sasha Banks main evented that WrestleMania in Tampa a couple years ago. And for me, this is a personal one because it, Bianca was part of one of the last memories I was able to make with my grandmother before she got sick and passed away a couple weeks shortly after that. Bianca versus Sasha was the last match that me and my grandma watched together because during the COVID times, my grandma would always come over and we would watch the pay-per-views and she fell in love with the women's wrestlers as much as I did. Her first match, the first pay-per-view we watched together during that time was the war games between the women's when Sky became Oscar the Grouch and jumped off in the trash can. That was her introduction to women's wrestling. And she's, I like these women's wrestlers. I'm like, me too, grandma, me too. But Bianca holds that special place because she is part of one of probably one of the best times and being able to have the last couple of months with my grandma before she passed was just enjoying women's wrestling together, which is weird because outside of myself, none of my other family members like professional wrestling. And my grandma was surprised me as one of those people who did. But then again, she's hardcore old school Mexican. So she watched like the old school, like Mexican Lucha Libre stuff on TV and everything. So I was just like, damn, grandma, like, how did I not know this? She's oh, don't worry, mijo. Like, it's always there. So now I know where I get it from. So Bianca Belair is going to be my number one. And I don't care what nobody says. She will probably always still be my number one because of how special she made that moment with me and my grandma and all the time we got to spend together that important and that more memorable during the pandemic. So Bianca is my forever number one. Nice. My number one actually follows the professors. Number two, there were Trish fans. There were Mickey fans, all those things in there. I was a Lita fan. Always was a Lita fan. Still am a Lita fan. I watched live when she came out as S.A. Rios's valet and hurricane Ronald off the top rope, helping him win his first match on heat. Like I remember that in her in the red pleather with the giant monster tag, there was Trish and all that stuff, and the clean cut girl who was also very much put together that way. There was Sable, the blonde bombshell. There was all these things, and then there was this red haired, tattooed badass badass woman who could hang with the boys, who was part of the original team Extreme, who threw herself into everything, and yes, had as scary a moonsault as Eo Sky now where you don't know if they're going to hit it correctly, but it is beautiful to watch. And the same thing, John, you're very right. Watching Lita even perform nowadays, like if I see Lita in a match, even if I'm worried she's going to botch a few things, I'm like, this is good. I'm in a good place. I am where I need to be. So my heart always to Lita. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just, there's this sort of, and the Edge had this too at some time, this beautiful chaos. 
sort of moment, that fine line of, oh, we're all going to die. Oh, but that was beautiful. Yeah. You're all in on yeah. all of that stuff. My number one, because I'm of that age and era, and I'll bring this back to Lita, actually. My number one is China. Because China made the world stop and listen and care. Because China was doing things that all of the old timers were saying, oh, you little girls, you can't, I bet you can't do this, but you can't do that. China shows up and is overhead pressing dudes. Bam! Monster slams. If you go back and watch China's power bombs, they are probably the most devastating and horrifying of any other wrestling performer of that time. Like when I think power bombs, I think Sid Vicious, and I think some of these other massive. Whoa, that's 15 feet high, and look at this thing. China was trying to throw you through the earth. He's trying to remove your soul from your body every time. If you watch, I, I did a little bit of a deep dive. If you watch the 2001. I think it's uh, Judgment Day or one of those, who knows what it is, where it's China and Lita fighting for some random championship. I'm not even sure. That yeah. match is just is insane. Well, You're Lita's just waiting bump, at any moment. Bumping her ass off for China. Oh, at any moment. Yeah, the selling is fantastic. China was the first woman in the Royal Rumble. Eliminates Mark Henry. We're back to sexual chocolate. Three for three. I hit Everyone may or may not know the notorious story of China punching Mick Foley in the butt. As could not do the groin shot and Mick Foley going, I don't know what just happened. And China going, yeah, I think my hand just disappeared in a mixed ass. Just being there for these crazy ass moments. Tragic to hear about everything around her passing away and the final months of her life, which is devastating and hard to talk about and to mention. But was genuinely well-liked and loved and taken care of and everyone wanted to be around her and support her. It's just sometimes in this business, the tragic stories you can't avoid. And that's really heartbreaking. When you wa- Sometimes when you watch these China segments, which I watched a handful of them and I remembered a few before just now, you're seeing it's China and Eddie Guerrero and the other wrestlers who've passed and they're all right there. And for a brief six months, they were all in the same room at the same time, but it's ephemeral. I think China represents that, and China made it, I don't want to say made it cool, because it's not necessarily what I mean, but made us, like, I demand you watch this. You will see us. We're gonna do this. And she socks the shit out of Mark Henry. If you're gonna have a chance to go see that, go watch it. She just barrels into him. That's my number one. My number one is another modern one, Becky Lynch. She's my number one. My opinion, the best female wrestler of all time she technical incredible she's hilarious she's funny as hell she's great on the mic she's great in the ring she's great as a person everybody loves her she's orange hair which is awesome her man gimmick was probably one of the coolest things ever the stuff she does in the ring is like half the dudes can't do this and she's out wrestling most every she, she was part of, one of the main events of the first female main event at wrestlemania so that, t- that tells you what how good she is as a performer and as a wrestler, as a ticket seller. But I don't know what else will. Come on, she's also married to Seth freaking Rollins. And they have the most, the, the cutest relationship I've ever seen in my entire life. They it's have hilarious. a whole ass baby together. <laughs> that baby's going to be the best wrestler of all time. Watch. Of all time. 
But they also look at her as a human being. Oh my gosh. She was crying backstage watching Sami Zayn. Oh my gosh, that video killed me. I was like, she is the sweetest thing on the planet. Protect her nobody, at all costs. Even, nobody could not smile. Even Roman, like it was really creepy. He smiled, but he dude was smiling. Like nobody could not smile at that moment. That was incredible, and it's just she's an incredible human being. Everybody loves her. She loves what she does, and she supports everybody. She's just awesome, and I would that is in my opinion. I people love granted. I, I watched during the time of Lita and Trish. I'd never liked Lita because I really liked Matt Hardy as a kid, and I was like, no. sure. <laughs> and watching John Cena roast the fuck out of her just made me really not like her because Edge is the reason why I hated like heels. No, you're bad, and Lita was there, so. Sure. I wasn't a big fan, but like Becky Lynch is like my, she is my top film. I can also try to speak with the professor on this too. It's also really cool to see a wrestler who studied clown before they went and became a wrestler. Which I forgot about. And thank you for reminding me. I heard about that. <laughs> she went to clown school. Yeah. Was Barnum and Bailey learned all that stuff. Right. Oh. Which shows awesome. in her selling and her ability to work in the ring and whatever she does. Her physicality, it's all based in performance. Can we also talk about how Becky has unintentionally has some of the greatest visual moments, like when her nose got busted up and she was bleeding all over the place, and that's what the, like the second time this happened? No, the first time it happened is like the genesis of the man gimmick, but then when she was in her Kill Bill outfit at Night of Champions against Trish and just mm -hmm. blood, I was just like, mm -hmm. yes, that is the epitome so, of... Yeah, I was like, the epitome of Kill Bill. Her outfit was so good. That could well, be a whole other episode. She's covered in blood, crying at Sami Zayn. <laughs> exactly. That could be a whole other episode, too, where we talk about some of our favorite, like, wrestlers and their fashion game, because we, we need to. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being, being, do a I'm being summoned to help, so I gotta go. Yes. Summoned. All right. Being summoned. Professor. We need to re we need to revisit all the homework lists. Yes. And make this some sort of. We will make this into a multi-part series. But professor, if you're able to, I'll see you in two weeks because we're supposed to be watching the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna make that happen. We'll figure it out. Yes. I'm trying my best to do it from the plane. <laughs> you're gonna be on a plane. Flying back from right. Chicago. That's right. That's right. That's right. It's gonna be hella weird. I'm gonna try to see indie wrestling in Chicago when I'm there, though. Yes, you better do it. Then I guess this is a good. A good I go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say there's any promotions that are in like warehouses and dive bars all over the suburbs. Oh yeah, they're oh, yeah. out there. My, my friends do the burlesque shows at them, so I want to go see them and then see the wrestling. Oh my goodness. We talk burlesque. We all know the same people. We know you guys, right? We know. All we can also. We're gonna have an after hours extra special for Patreon only <laughs> because I was like, I need to hear these stories because. Oh, there's some stories. JVL has promised me stories and I have yet to get them. <laughs> well, we got to book a late night Patreon. Here's all the dirt stories. Please don't. <laughs> no longer Here's what I can remember office. of the night. Exactly. <laughs> but I, th I think this is a good stopping point because I don't want to do this. I mean, I don't want to continue on without the professor, but I also I'm going to see if Adolfo can do like an addendum episode where whoever can join me, we get his top five male and female for WWE because I want to hear his taste because he's just important to all of this as yeah. the rest of us are. Like, I can't Maybe do this without you four. If you leave now, your editing gets all messed up? Mm, don't leave now. Oh. Let me let me do the <laughs> outro and then don't. Please don't. Joff is doing this pro. No! God damn it! Anyways, this has been another exciting episode of the Biconics. 
next regular episode, we'll be continuing on with our favorites in professional wrestling. But the next immediate thing is to stay tuned for the Biconics Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel, where we will have a special video of us watching the Forbidden Door pay-per-view between AEW and New Japan. It's going to be a great time. Don't you fucking dare, JBL. I I will come you to your... JBL, hold on. No! God damn it! <laughs> it was never me! It was never me! <laughs> it has devolved into chaos. But to all the to all of our listening audience out there, and viewing audience too, since this is a video cast, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Biconics. Until next episode, we'll see you later. But until then, ta-ta for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to another Vibe Tribe production. What's going to happen next time? Well, you're going to have to tune in to find out. But until then, remember, audio podcast land, take care of yourself, love one another, and as always, make sure that you keep the good times rolling. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.